0: Somebody's got to be in charge of this shit show.
1: <laughs> I'd say we all do a pretty good job of keeping <laughs> us all in line.
2: Hey, nice shirt though, Jim. Thanks, man. Yeah, that's a beauty. Are we live? Yeah. Oh, very good. No, not live. <laughs>
1: so, Rob, apparently once I started having any sort of success, I kicked you off the show. So I guess uh, I'm bringing you back now. So.
2: Yes, you have no. no, that's not going to work. You can't kick me off.
1: How does it feel to be
2: kicked off the show and uh, be allowed back? <laughs> I tell them there's a few guys down at the place where I play pool that were asking if I was ever going to come back. Or not. Well, you know, once the summer comes around, like it's like,
1: hey, who wants to do the show? And Rob's like, what are you doing, Rob?
2: I don't know. I have passions uh, and golfing is one of my passions, so. And seeing as though I'm running out of time, availability to play the game, uh, unless I can play into my 90s, <clears throat> I have to play when the weather says I can play. So,
1: well, you do know that you could have this as a passion, and then you could do this. It is a passion. 90s. I
2: tell you what, I'm, I am, I'm a hundred percent back playing pocket pool and three cushion billiards, both. With I my, don't give do
1: a crap about that. With my new I care eyes. about this podcast, this podcast should be one of your po- passions.
2: It, when it interferes with my other passions, then those passions take over, and they take precedence over the podcast. I'm sorry to say because I love the podcast.
1: <clears throat> whole screen is very blurry. Is it just me? The whole screen. I don't. It doesn't appear blurry to me. Is it a blurry to you guys? There's not blurry I'm not on my phone.
2: Blinds here. It's not that blurry on my phone.
1: Jim,
0: you've been taking a bit of a hiatus too how was
1: your time off pretty good I've
0: been on a couple of holidays I've played some tournaments you keep doing it on a Tuesday night which never really works for me because the se- the league season started again and our home games are on Tuesday nights which is not really great so you're gonna have to do something about that yeah maybe oh I think we need to probably just switch to Monday I think that seems to be the consensus that works best for everyone I would agree but other than that I'm uh, I'm all right I've been kept busy by my uh by my nine, now uh, nine-month-old baby girl, and everything's okay there. She's doing very, very well. She is massive. What a beast! Oh, really? Yeah, she's yeah, huge. She yeah, they've already they've already calculated. I don't know how they do this, but on the bone length and legs and stuff like that, right. she's going to be one meter eighty-five. So she's going to be either a basketball player or a netball player or a volleyball player, a... or just or just a freak of nature. <laughs> I think that's
1: she's your daughter, Jim. She has to be a yeah. freak of nature just by default. It it you might just massively
0: it, talented and 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 good looking, obviously as well.
2: It 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 might be a hair early to tell all that. Maybe.
0: Yeah, I thought so as well, but they seem convinced she's going to be one eighty five. <laughs> we'll see.
2: But a lot's oh, been I going know. on.
0: We've had a lot of pool, haven't we?
1: We've had a lot of pool.
0: One of the what? best stretches, I would say, of the year. Always is. It always is this time of year when the pressure starts getting on and things change in the points and the rankings from Mosconi and stuff like that. It's always one of the best times to see how people get on and if anyone can make a last-ditch run for it, you know. Almost happened. All the way down. Almost happened. Yeah,
2: Came all the way down to the wire. Look at the pressure that was on Tyler uh, in the open to perform. Yeah, And and I think really he, he did more or less come through in the clutch. Uh, didn't win the thing, but boy, he, he took uh Fader and and uh played him well and other matches too. So he, he well, if you want to talk about a pretty tough himself. draw, Tyler uh, had yes. a pretty
1: tough draw in the finals, yes, Fedor Gorst and then Joshua Filler. That's
2: well, and then you look at Max's draw, not quite not quite the same, he went further, but not quite the same as Tyler, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, Max Luckner beat uh Coping
1: Chung, yeah. Uh, Roland Garcia, who had just came off of a dominating performance. There you go. I mean, it wasn't easy for Chris sure. Melling. Uh, yeah. And, uh, Jonas, yeah, Chris had a good tournament. Jonas Camino. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, let's, let's, let's jump in. Let's talk about it. Uh, Francisco Sanchez Ruiz gets, I guess, is this his first major title? I would say that this is his first major title. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's won a uh, I don't think you want to count the world cup, a pool and invitational scotch doubles um he's won a, a that ton was of, pretty impressive
2: though
1: a ton of european titles whether it's the euro tour or the euro championships or so. uh but i mean as far as on a world stage this is probably his first title well, and he, got, uh, the, he won the derby city didn't he nine ball oh yeah he won the derby city yeah that's i don't know if i'd consider I that think, a major. i think i, I think any american
0: you ask any american you ask would consider that a major yeah well except except so. for me
1: apparently <laughs> i think i think it's the Easily the third most. Pers- it it kind of depends how you de- like define a major, right? I mean, if you look at tennis, they have four majors. If you look at golf, there's four majors. So, I mean, if you look at pool, I mean, I guess the majors would be the U.S. Open, the World Pool Championships, um, probably the World Ten Ball, and maybe the International, something like that. I mean, well, like these on, are yeah. ter- if, if the there's Derby four. and
2: the U.S. Open are two tournaments you don't need to basically qualify for too much you pay your entry fee wow. and get in the thing and there you go same the with derby same, same with the way. international yeah, but you also international.
0: Batting, you're, that's a long event as well the name well you're batting your way through like 500 odd players you know a you, lot you play, of players you end up playing a lot of pool to win that and look
2: yeah. at who, who was the player at the u.s open that it was like a 640 or whatever but he went pretty deep in that thing
1: well greg well, hogs is 690 yeah greg yeah greg he's, yeah i mean we'll we'll talk about the u.s side of things coming up but um uh, I mean, whatever. I mean, uh, it kind of depends on how you define majors. I mean, if there's four majors, I think the International Open and the US Open are bigger events than the Derby City. But yes, you know, oh, you'll get an argument from some people. Um, so, yeah, I mean, congratulations, Francisco Sanchez Ruiz. I mean, the guy just played absolutely unbelievable the entire time. I mean, it was fun. The only Fun time I ever, the only time I ever got saw this, uh, the guy struggle was, uh, like at the beginning. I can't even say he struggled really. The beginning of the finals, but then he ended up getting those two fluke nine balls, one off the break, and then one, uh, um, one in the rack right before that. He gets two fluky nine balls to get to two and three. And at one point in time, I think they brought up the stats, and the entire room just starts lo- like erupting in laughter. At one point in time, I think uh, like Max Luckner had made it potted like fifty-seven balls, and had three wins. And uh right. FSR had potted seven balls and had three wins. Yeah. So, like it's just <laughs> the entire room just like erupts in laughters with the idea of that. And it's like yeah. but that's that's kinda I mean, FSR needed that to stay into that match in the beginning of it. And you know, he well, took advantage, is, full advantage later on.
2: It is so cool when they went to racking that nine ball on the spot. I just I see all the, you don't, you don't get the runouts. How many times the matches were over there was, there wasn't a break and run in the entire match many, many times. And that's so fun because then you get to see these players use all their wits, all their talent, all their skills in the game, the kicking, the pushing out here and there, and even the pushouts, some of those, you know, were pretty edgy uh whether to take the shot or not take the shot. And those made a difference in the outcome of the matches. <clears throat>
0: sure. Yep.
1: It's, yeah.
2: it's made
0: a big difference. It's, it's um the game now because of that break, it's testing all, it's testing all your abilities, everything. It's not oh, just about run abilities. up. Run You're going to have, you have to have a complete game. If you want to win one of these, you know, it's yeah. about getting yourself, getting yourself that first opportunity in the rack, you know, and it's, uh is yeah, your head on going, straight, you know, no, exactly. not yeah. just your
2: ability to, to stroke the cue stick but is your head there yeah yeah tests it all i love yeah. it
0: but he's on such a high at the moment he's, he's just on that cloud of of just pure confidence you know there's there's not a negative thought in his mind i mean oh yeah I've saw, i saw i saw some clips from there He's gone to the predator 10 ball just now and some of the shots he's pulling off he's just going for 10 ball bank combinations and stuff like that <laughs> and he's making them he's just he just sees everything as if it's i can make that <laughs> the pockets are big the balls are also he just he just sees only positive things when he's coming to the table at the moment and it's a great feeling when it happens it doesn't happen oh, very yeah, often yes. you know and he wants for to sure. hold on to that feeling for as long as possible at least until the 4th of december <laughs> hold on to it at least until the 4th of december bring that game to muscone
2: yeah well i think wow. for sure he will this isn't the last we're going to see of this guy no absolutely he's not. around no. for a while now he's a yeah. young man and yeah. and and he's he's just getting his teeth yeah. into that sandwich now.
1: I think he's uh 29, 29 or 30, one of the two. Yeah, he's got a lot of good years ahead. I think he's right around the same age as me. So uh yeah, I mean uh, the way that he's playing the game right now, it's just different. In
2: fact, he, all the European players from what I'm looking at, especially in the in the open, I mean, they're they're making their statements. Uh certainly yeah. the Polish players. Well, and the, players and, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, what it's did, incredible. What did Joshua and Pia just do, run 170-some balls in scotch? Straight pool? Yeah, 100, right?
1: 170, yeah. Oh, um
2: the mackerel.
1: How good was that last day of pool at the U.S. Open? Oh, you want to talk about those two the, semifinals matches the and then that finals?
2: I was uh, just on I, the edge of my seat the whole time.
1: <laughs> I mean, if there's one person in the world, I guess that can like derail, uh, FSR. I mean, Carlo Biato. I mean the, oh my goodness, the, like the balls it takes to be down. What was he down like seven to two to Francisco Sanchez Ruiz and gets it back to 10 to 10 for a hill <laughs> hill game. Yeah. And to be honest with you, he, I, I don't think that he, I don't, I certainly don't think he loses that game from there if there's no shot clock. Cause I mean, he rushed his shot to end up selling out to Francisco, I mean he absolutely had to rush it because of that shot clock. I think I think if that doesn't happen, you know, he's gonna end up coming up with something a little bit better than what he came well, obviously Maybe. better than what he came up with, but yeah. eleven to ten. And then the other semifinals match right up afterwards, the same exact opposite thing happened where uh Max Lechner's way down in the set. Might have been seven to two as well to Ko-Ping Chung, and Max pulls the comeback to ten to ten and then completes it. Yeah. Wow. wow. Those matches look. if you're if if you're a fan of pool go back and watch those two matches whenever they're available
0: I mean those. I think think what you what you did notice is the energy levels that the FSR carries around with him meant that he was able to handle that going into the final a little bit better than Max I think Max kind of ran out of steam a little bit you know i think i think his semi-final affected him more than what fsr semi-final affected him well um i mean
1: i don't want to say that max did not deserve to win the semi-finals because obviously he played absolutely amazing but that the jump shot that Ko Ping chung makes and then pinches the rail and the nine ball at the same exact time and scratches into the corner off of it oh. like it's it's just torch like when you see somebody make a shot like that, it's such yeah. a great shot, and it's coming around for – you know, the, the speed looked okay for positioning, and then you just scratch off it. It's like, oh, oh, really? And to be honest, that
2: have
0: to happen? that's the, be- that's, that's the that's beauty the- of the game. It's the it heartbreak is. moments that happen. Yeah. You know, these moments, they happen to everybody, and that's right. it's, That's the drama, and that's what you need if you're going to sell this as a product. Yeah. You need these drama moments, you know?
2: Well, Francisco's jump shot on that two ball. Now, that was a tough cut over in oh, the corner on that two ball, and there's balls all over the place. And he hits that just absolutely perfect and comes out with a shot. You know? Wow. <laughs> Pretty impressive.
1: Yeah. The, I mean, the jumping abilities of the players these days is just – It's almost like they're not fun.
0: jumping. They're, they're, they're as accurate as they are just with a normal cue.
1: So accurate. I,
2: well, and to the be honest, touch, I th- Touch <laughs> on him, a position play off the jump shot. All of if it. you if, if, the whole ball. If you last. just have
1: to, like – if you just have to jack up and stab at the ball, like if you're shooting over a ball, I think they're, they're, they're significantly more accurate with a jump cue than they are with a full cue just jacked up. <laughs> Honestly. Very possibly. It's, it's yeah, I mean, it's just insane. I mean, Fader was kind of the first person like f- f- three, four years ago that you just saw with the jump cue and you're like, oh my God, that guy is different. And now everybody's jumps like that. Mm-hmm. Everybody. You
0: like see, it, 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 used, it used to be a rescue cue, now it's an attacking cue. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yes, especially with the push out. You know, you're thinking, "Hey, oh yeah, where where, so where is often. my strength in this game? Can I yeah. push out and make this shot?" Well, now it's to the
1: point. Now it's to the point where everybody's so good with their jump cues that like you can't just push out to a jump cue and get it back. You actually have to push out to like a hard enough jump shot to justify not giving it back. Like
2: it's 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 it's, it's incredible. I mean, it's, yeah, I'm it's, not a. I never was a fan of, of the jumping and the and the jump cue when it came out, and and I think at an amateur level. I have a, maybe a right to say that, but at this level of play, it does add an aspect to the game that is exciting, for sure. Absolutely.
0: What you see, well, the difference is with the jump cue is in in the pro game, at a high level, is they use it at the correct times. When you watch amateur pool, they just use it all the time. They would rather jump than kick. You know, they yeah. say jump 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 to pot, kick to play safe. You know, <laughs> if you're hooked. But amateurs, who just think it's so easy to jump. They think, well, I'm going to hit it. So at least I'm not going to give ball in hand. Yeah. So they pull the jump cue out and all they're trying to do is hit the ball. At least the pros are playing it at the right time and they're playing the attacking shots when yeah. they have to defend, then they're playing the kicks, you know, and we're seeing a bit of everything. But amateur pool, it's just, everybody's just pulling the jump cue out as soon as they're hooked on anything, you know, it's.
2: Right. Just, Once in a while, you'll see, you'll see the pros. It's easier for people jump to jump safe, than
0: it is to, you know. the, to kick, you know, yeah, they right. can't kick, so they jump. Yeah.
2: yeah, that's, that's true, Jim. That That's a very good observation for sure. I feel attacked. Yes, a little. I yeah, but don't would. because it's not
0: just your kicking game is a problem.
1: Right, it's true. Right. Yeah, right. I, 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 do everything bad, equally bad too. Right. Thanks, Jim.
0: I. You said. I, <laughs> what can I tell you?
1: <laughs> All right. So Rob, how are you doing do we today? Got,
2: now, how about uh, Shane and uh, Jason? Oh, this, we got to uh,
1: talk about the US Open. We,
0: plot, we, gotta, we'll we got plot. We'll
2: get to that. We we'll talked about
1: worry. the US Open. So we know who won it. We know who yeah, won Jim. it. It was a
2: fantastic, was a okay,
0: fantastic event. Okay. Well done, Max, From Another fantastic event. Let's talk about Shane getting his ass handed to him by Jason Shaw. No, is, any, words, is anybody going to is anybody ever, 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 ever going to beat Shane 120 to 80 at any game? Very probably not. It.
1: But I would like to not just skip over the rest of the US Open. I am the host here after all. <laughs> oh, really? We still gotta talk about the you know who are who he has impressed with. I mean, you look you look through the matches. Um obviously Greg Hogue is a huge standout. Um yeah. I I I well, mean I Cole, watched him play sure. I watched him I watched him play a couple matches. Um I mean he, he played good, but I mean uh most of the players that played against him, he's got some quirks. I mean, I Greg Hogue is a great player, but he's got some quirks that are tough to play against. And I I talked to one of the people that he played against and he's like I I I just couldn't focus like the way that he and, and you can you watch his videos and and by the way go follow Red Door Den go follow Greg Hogue the dude is like he makes some great content he's show, he's putting drills out and videos and stuff like that but you can even watch like the way he shoots his drills like he's got some he's got some sway in his pre shot routine he kind of goes like this going into a shot I mean he's he would be tough to play against I I mean I'm I'm looking at it from like a competitors aspect these these pros are they're designed to have, you know, these perfect mechanics that you just gotta, you gotta rely on in the biggest moments. You gotta be super solid all the time. And here comes Greg Hogan. He's swaying all over the place and he's theatrical and he's, he's having fun with it and he's talking to himself and you know, that would be tough to play against. It would be, I mean, he never made the stream table, unfortunately. So um, you, you didn't really get to see any of that, but like go watch some of his videos and I mean, at the end of the day, the guy's got to pot the balls. He's got to make the nine balls. He's got to win, and he did. And you know, well, he you were there, like, right,
2: Nate? I mean, you, yeah, you watched yeah. him play.
1: I mean, he drilled Omar El Shaheen. I mean, he he beat him like he owed him money. I think he beat him like eleven to three. I mean, that's a real, Whoa. that's a real player right there. I mean, Omar has not Brilliant. been on the, uh, <laughs> Omar has not really been on the the scene much yet. Yeah, oh, uh, Greg beat him nine to nine to five. <laughs> That's I mean, that's a real win.
2: <laughs> yes, it the is. The guy
1: the guy plays the guy plays good. I mean, that's my big standout for the event. Um I do you guys have any standouts that you you looked at and
0: you know kind of thought anything of? It was good to see Chris Mellon going deep again. Yes. Yep. He looked like he was gonna make a proper run at it. Um other than that, a, bit, a little bit same old, same old. You know, Tyler beating Feder was a good result for Tyler. That 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 kind of put him into that, um, probably stuck him in that group of Moscone hopefuls, I think. Yeah, I think he was probably already in there now, but it's kind of promoted him up the list, I think. Yeah, uh, being so able to take take Federer out there. Uh, and it's it may well have damaged any chance that Federer had as well because um, he, he hasn't had the opportunity to play in the matchroom environment. And, uh, you know, he didn't really... He didn't really show the form there that he'd been showing all year um so um and and for me when i'm looking at something like the us open this time of year or or, or the international then my, my i'm i'm focusing on the potential Moscone cup players and um i don't think there was anything there to suggest that you know that what, what
2: female really- player
0: went the deepest
2: you, you guys have that on the top of your head um uh, uh,
1: Margaret or uh, Christina Tekes was one so. yeah. she was one away from qualifying. I believe she had to play um uh let's see. She had to play a good player to qualify and just narrowly lost. Yeah, she lost to Alvin Ocean hmm. to qualify. But she beat Ko Ping Han, Joseph Tate and um well, I'm not sure who's Oh no, yeah, that's <clears throat> that's it. Uh on the a, to- a side she beat um Henrik Larson, who actually is a good player, okay. Mm, he's one yeah, of the top wheelchair players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> well, good um, for her. Yeah, I believe I'm not sure. I think Margaret was two away from qualifying,
2: yeah, but they had a pretty good showing. I love to see the ladies in this open. I just yeah the more than Mary. Mar- yeah, Margaret came up against she play didn't so play. good. I mean, yeah, she had
1: to play Shane, and then um, she lost to Mustafa. Alnar, who was uh, um, he ended up making the finals. So, uh, I I think there weren't many ladies. In fact, I, I don't know. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I think Margaret and Christina might have been the only women there.
0: Well, Sarah, Sarah Jane Smith saying there was a Filipino lady there. Apparently, could that be the one that was at the 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 world uh, teams? What was her name? No, um, Rublin wasn't there. Rublin, Rublin wasn't no. there. I don't. No, I didn't see a Rublin.
1: I didn't. I i if there was, maybe there was, it's very possible, but I I don't remember seeing any other ladies play, but there was a lot that Pia, were playing Pia, in the Pia, juniors, Pia, which is really Pia nice. Phillip, Pia Phillip oh, really yeah. Pia, of course, yes, Pia Pia. And Pia yeah, Pia actually lost to Greg Hogue. Um mm. so and then Seaman Lee. Ooh, not sure who that is, but um Oh, and I, and I do want to – since you shouted out Chris Melling, I do want to be fair to him because he ended up losing to Max Lechner. But um, I spoke with – or Chris came over to our booth afterwards and was talking about – he was scheduled apparently to play at 4.30. Um, and he turned off his phone. Basically, he comes over and he's telling the story of like how he got into his match. And he said that uh, he – turned off his phone. He wanted to just be with himself. He didn't want to be distracted by anything else. And he turned off uh, the his phone and was just, you know, kind of just doing him back in his hotel room. He was about to jump in the shower at about like 355 or something like that. And he's like, well, I'm going to turn on my phone before I jump in the shower uh, just to make sure I'm not missing anything. And like, right when he turns on his phone, he said he was getting a call and he's like, and it was from one of the room guys. And They're like, Chris, you know you're up in five minutes. And Chris is like, no, I'm not. I'm scheduled for 4.30. I looked at the bracket an hour ago. And the matchroom guy says, yes, I know. That was an error on our part. You're on at four. You have to play at four. So Chris is up in his room at 3.55 and about to jump into the shower. And now he's being told that he has to play in five minutes because they made an error on his part. Mm. So he sprints, throws all of his stuff in, sprints down to the pool room, ends up showing up like six, seven minutes late, whatever it was. I, I could get this wrong. I I hope I don't get this wrong, but I think he said he actually had to forfeit a game too, going into that set. So he starts down one zero, and then he ends up losing that set uh, ten to, uh, ten to four. Yeah, I mean that's good. that's pretty tough action when you're you know when you're in the uh, well, you know when you're in your hotel room, and next thing you know you're yeah. getting that's a call saying. So, to be fair to Chris Melling, because I mean, he was honestly, I watched his match, uh, a few of his matches. Uh, I watched Lee Van Corteza play against Ko Ping Yi, and then I watched his match against uh, um, Jason Shaw. And I am telling you right now, Lee Van Corteza was playing, I thought he was going to win that event. He was playing next to perfect pool. And he gets up against Chris Melling, and Chris Melling just beats him down i mean chris melling was in the best form of his career i've but never he, seen it and melling
0: has got that gear when Melling hits his top gear he's as good off better as, as anybody he just he doesn't hit it as often as the rest of them you know but he the amazing talent chris mellon amazing qr amazing. When everything is right yeah, and he's online sure. amazing player yeah honestly i mean uh,
1: chris was woof. I mean, he he beat Levan Corteza like he literally owed him money. It was it was incredible to watch him play, and Levan was, I mean, he the dude was playing next to perfect the entire time. He, I mean, he lost on the a side to Wojtek Shepcheck, and like Wojtek ran like eight racks out on him, <laughs> and Levan still barely lost that set. I mean, that'll tell you how well he was playing. It was it was incredible. But uh, I mean, I uh, Rob, did you have any standouts? I guess uh, Jim and I both gave a shout shout out to somebody that we saw on the field did you have anyone yeah well uh...
2: every match i was impressed with the play no matter what match i was watching and and all the players i felt you know gave everything they had at the time they laid it out on the table and that's what i like to see i i I like to see these guys uh, dig down as deep as they can for shots and for uh, brain power and i saw that in almost every match no matter who the players were even if internally had uh, one player or the other that I was, I was rooting for uh, it, it was just great. I'm, I'm just so glad I had the time and opportunity to tune in and watch, uh, you know, and, and the way match put this on, I mean, the camera, uh, the interviews, the, the play-by-play, I, I just thought all of it was just uh, tremendous. Uh, uh, you know, Jeremy Jones is a, uh, uh, just outstanding at what he does. Uh, he, he not only uh, enables the viewer to think about what's happening, but he gives insights into particular uh, ways that the cue ball is going to react in different situations that, you know, even the, you know, the 500 players out there and 400 players that are watching this and thinking about how these things are done and how these pros manipulate the table Uh, Jeremy gives you insights into that. So from a learning perspective, for the average pool player, I don't know what the average pool player at Fargo is, probably 500, something like that. Uh, They're wondering how the heck these pros are getting that cue ball around the table the way they are. And uh, when you watch the pros, hardly any pro plays position off of one rail. Hardly any, unless they're drawing it one rail. But almost all of them, no matter where they are on the table, are stroking the the power of the cue is doing the work. And so they have two rail position on almost every shot to get the cue ball back to the middle of the table. And so that they have these correct angles for their next shots. And I think that Jeremy does a great job in showing how that happens uh, and explaining the spin and because of the table conditions. Uh, how you have to, how you have to handle that cue ball in those conditions. And, and that's just wonderful. I mean, it's good. I like it because I'm thinking it in my head and then I hear Jeremy say it. And I'm going, Oh man, for all these players out there that that are are just learning how to play or they're the average type of player that this has got to be a great thing for them. So I I didn't have one particular player that, uh, Chris Melling for me. Yes. And I'll agree with you, Jim. It was just a great showing. I, I met Chris in 2011 out in Vegas. Uh, and it was, he came over to play in, uh, uh, the BCA tournament there and he, he won. I had to play him on the loser side in the nine ball uh, challenge thing. And I had never seen anything like it that close up and personal in my life on a bar table. He was playing two rail position on everything, just like he was playing on a nine footer. And I was going, Whoa, this guy, this guy has really got some talent. I mean, he can, he can play and he won the, the nine ball challenge from the loser side that year. And then he played in the grand master eight ball division on a bar table. And he won that. So the two events that he was in, he won them both. And I had never basically had heard of him, but I'd never watched him play or anything. So that, I was kind of, you could say, for personal reasons, I was a little bit on Chris's uh, in his corner throughout the tournament. So I was happy that he did well.
1: Yeah. I would say that uh, I mean, let's give Matchroom their props. Um, You know, I, there's Matchroom has a lot of haters, and they've they've had a lot of haters, and I've been accused of being a Matchroom apologist for like three years. Uh, mostly that's stopped now, and I think that's mostly it stopped because, you know everything that they're doing it's right you can you could go into that venue and basically from days 1 to 3 they've nothing changed the event or the 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 venue looked the exact same the tables were all in the exact same spots blah 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 after day 3 they literally reinvented that room every single day they moved tables around they moved stadiums they brought in stadium seatings they, they moved the entire, uh, like, uh, TV table spots around. Like they literally every single day when that room shut down for the day, they went in and they reinvented everything in that room and redid the floor plan for everything on every single day, the work that they put into that event to make that thing happen and to give the the viewers the best possible experience when you're on site. It's it's not matched by anyone. I mean, Predator does a great job as far as like just getting you in there, but uh, I mean, Matchroom, what they do is just it's just different. And to be honest with you, like we can hate on Matchroom for all the things that they've done in the past. We have nothing left to really whine about. Just let them do what they do. It's it's great. Were there I mean, refs th-
2: at every table, Nate, in the whole tournament during the course of the event?
1: No, they had refs no. for four tables so i mean okay. obviously that's going to be a budget issue so i mean sure hopefully if and when they start you know doing better with the events they're going to be back to refs on every single table but you know at the end of the day it is a business and they have to you know make sure that that's feasible but um that really I mean, adds just
2: some class to the to the to the whole thing yeah. having those just round of applause refs, announcing yeah. the yeah. score each time who's ahead yeah. who's breaking yeah, Robin- you know
1: The only, I guess, the only complaint that I actually have uh, with Matchroom at this point is like they put the announcers in the room, and well, I'll I'll say this: being there on the final day, I don't know what it was like that coming over to Zone or Sky Sports, I guess, wherever you watched it from, but the crowd does not have any clue what to do. Like they don't know if they should be treating this as like a golf tournament where they need to be dead silent or the Moscone Cup where they need to scream and holler. The semifinals of those matches, they were playing some music in between sets and they were jamming and they were having a good time. Right. And then the finals comes and everything is like dead silent. And dead <laughs> silent to the point where you could literally hear the commentary. I mean there's oh. no way there's no way that the players could not hear phil yates when he goes on his little eh, stupid like yelling <laughs> commentary stuff like they could absolutely hear him uh because i could hear him and i was 90 of the way from the announcers to the players so there's no there's no way that they couldn't hear them so i i mean if if i have any if i have any complaints towards match room at all or I, let's not say complaints let's say critic constructive criticisms try to find a way to get the crowd involved or, you know, or just decide what they need to do. Like, don't, I I just didn't like the idea that they played music in between the semifinals. And then for the finals, everything was dead silent and find a way to just box in the, the, the commentators. I mean, the players shouldn't have to hear what the commentator is no, saying from across the room. I agree with that. But I mean, we're like super nitpicking at this point. Everything else is like so amazing for the event. So props run of applause for match room. You guys are doing amazing stuff. Uh, I mean, that's, that's it. I mean, it was, it was, it was awesome. I, I, I match or uh, the, the Moscone cup. I've been going every year since 2018. I can't see myself ever missing uh, a Moscone cup. Now this U S open, I mean, I'm, I'm getting to the point now. Where it's like a, how, how I don't envision myself ever wanting to miss one of these events. They're that much fun to be at. If you've never been to one, they are completely intoxicating. I mean, they are amazing to be a part of. Get yourself over to one of those. Get yourself some tickets and show up and support that. It is, it, you will not be disappointed. They are awesome.
2: Yeah, I think I'm on board with that next year.
1: It's good. I'm, I'm telling you, it's it's, sure. it's awesome. So, uh, I don't know. Do we want to clear that out? We're, do- we're done
2: there? There was good? a mention here about Joey Tate's uh, mix-up on the four ball and and uh, if we have any comments on that and uh, that strikes a little chord with me because that the first time they changed the balls around, I don't know when it was a year or so ago or whatever. They, a couple no, of years they've come. No, they've been doing No, they've been using these no? balls since have 20, 2018. Years. Okay.
1: 20. I think 2018 was the first year that they used. It. I think this is okay. four. Yeah. Cause I think, Cause that, they, that I think was, they were using them the first year I was in London.
2: I, I can remember being, being totally confused at that watching like okay oh god that's right they changed the ball The four balls pink i got you know when has the four ball ever been pink so i, I can imagine what joey uh what why he did what he did i mean he just uh, uh your mind is a brutal thing in certain instances oh i wanted to say this uh the one thing i noticed that you can't imagine the pressure involved on these players in this event especially the final eight or dozen or whatever but one thing i noticed how calm they appeared now i don't know if their internal heart rate is racing out of their bodies or not but i was certainly impressed uh, the close-ups of these players uh the ones that weren't at the table that were you know waiting for their turn or whatever they just looked like their heartbeat wasn't even beating it was uh, they looked so calm and i'm thinking if they really are that calm how do they do that?
1: <laughs> oh, I'll say this. I was, um, I I was watching Wojtek Shepcheck's match against uh, Lee Van Corteza, and he just broke and ran a three, and he comes back and you know he like goes like this for a fist bump, and I like fist bump, and he's like, and he he just ran a three, and he looks like ultra calm, and he's he looks at me, he's like, man, I've been so nervous on these last three racks. I like, I feel like I feel like my whole body is shaking so hard, I'm gonna miss every single ball that oh, I shoot at. No. And he looks like a statue out there. I mean, yeah, like, I I don't know how many times I've been asked by, you know, average to lower below average players. Like, how do you stop being nervous at pool? And I tell them the same thing every single time. If you want to stop being nervous at pool, stop caring or die. (laughs) It doesn't matter what (laughs) level you play at, whether you're the best player in the world or whether you are your first player, or the first time ever playing in a a serious tournament. If you're playing, you're going to get nervous. You're gonna get nervous. They
0: don't just go away.
2: How about you, Jim? Now you just played in a couple of events too. Uh, is, well, it, everyone
0: gets nervous? I, I mean, the whole the, the whole mixing up the five ball and the four ball is it's a brain fart. You know, anyone that says that Shane should, uh, Shane should have told him and Shane was unsporting. You don't know what professional sport is. Nobody in that room would have would have uh, turned around and told him he's playing the wrong ball. There's not one player in that tournament that oh. would have told him he's playing the wrong ball yeah um and uh the thing is that and see for me it's not an issue because we do have a pink four ball in in europe okay. you know the, okay. the the and you have you have is america as well all the all the americans that said the pink four ball has never existed i can show you right now it does and you used it the aramith television set which has been used all over the world pink four ball <laughs> there okay, it it's got an orange five but it's a pink four ball so all the Americans saying that you've never seen a pink four ball before that's either you just don't watch pool or it could be the case or the only pool you see is in your club but that's not what professionals see professionals see proper pool okay. they don't just see the club sets they don't use club sets so to say that there's never a pink four ball is rubbish it's been around for ages and the purple five okay <laughs> do you get confused with the, the five being purple obviously it has happened we've seen it
2: Sure. Uh, but sure. it's nobody's fault.
0: It's nobody's fault, but joy. And he said himself, yeah, he, just had he, a said break Emily, he said to Emily, in an interview, he says, all I want now is for you to give me a set of those balls to practice with and he won't. Oh. Them <laughs> and he'll get a set of the balls. I mean, I've got, again. Yeah. I've, I've got like four different sets of balls here, all different colors with, with, with like the, 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 what are they called? The, I've got Cyclops. I've got dinosaurs. I've got, uh, the blacks okay. I've got. And I swap around my balls all the time. I never play the wrong ball. I yeah. mean, you've got a number on them as well. I mean, <laughs> well, there is that.
1: <laughs> so, so Jim, let me ask you this question, because for the most part, I'm with you on this, the that whole situation. But um, you said nobody in their right mind would ever do that immediately. But I remember back to a uh, round of 16 last year between Aloysius Yap and Shane Van Boning where uh, Aloysius literally did that same exact thing for Shane it's not the same exact thing but it's the context it's
0: not oh, why is, why isn't it because Shane called Shane called extension the referee doesn't didn't hear it but Al wow. did hear it so Al was being honest and saying he called extension no 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 he'd no, be no, cheating no. he'd be cheating if he kept
1: his mouth shut no 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 no, no. Aloyisha' never nobody heard him say extension the, the 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 situation aloysius, last year
0: aloysius, he turned around to the referee and said no he did he said it
1: aloysius i mean i yeah, talked he to, aloysius. Said to the
0: referee it's okay he said it he, he, i'm pretty sure okay. that's the way it went i talked I I, extension and Aloysius. i talked well i talked to it or he saw or he saw his lips saying it he said no he called extension i talked to aloysius
1: about it and the reason it took as long as it did was because aloysius said basically like I don't know if he said it or not, but if he said he did, I'm not going to take the foul. That was a situation because it basically Aloysius was taking him for his word that he said it.
0: Okay, but that's okay. So he's taking his word. He's trusting Shane. That he, but that's completely different to Shane sitting there and watching somebody making a foul. If you're if you're watching somebody and they've got to play a kick shot and you can see that the point they're aiming on the on the rail, they're going to be nowhere near it. Are you going to turn around them and say you're not going to hit that ball if you do that? <laughs> I'm just
1: saying, the only thing I'm saying is like, Aloysius didn't have to do that for Shane. Aloysius could have said, well, it doesn't matter what he, it doesn't matter. The the extension was not awarded. Shane should have said it louder, whatever it is. I get ball in hand because that's the rules. And he didn't say that. He said, I'm going to trust him for what it is. Let him shoot from right there.
3: Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm just saying like. like. I don't think it's the same situation. Same thing. The situation happened to Chris What's Malley. The, well,
0: of course it's not the same exact situation. No, what I'm saying is somebody gave Shane a break. But the same exact situation happened to, to, to Chris Melling on Hill Hill in a tournament, and he was about to play the wrong ball, and somebody in the crowd shouted, oh. "You're playing the wrong ball!"
2: Oh. And
0: Chris stood up, noticed it, and played a deliberate foul, and said, "If you hadn't said anything, I would have played it." So you he know?
2: went ahead and played it anyhow.
0: So no, he just tapped the cue ball and said, "It's a foul. The ball in hand. I was okay. going to play that okay. ball." Okay,
2: so he took a yeah. took a foul. You know,
0: so. <clears throat> there's different versions of it. At the end of the day, Shane has absolutely, there's no,
2: yeah, that's pretty
0: it's the US Open, he's 7-7 on the US Open. Nobody in that situation is going to turn around and say, oh, kid, hey, you're playing the wrong ball. 7-1 ahead, somebody mm-hmm. might think, oh, you know, I've got this match anyway, I'll be a bit of a nice guy and everyone's going to praise me and call me a hero and I'll tell him he's playing the wrong ball, but not 7-7, nobody. I, Jason I, saw Chaucer, nobody, and it's uh. exactly, nobody's going to give him that.
2: Have players' in tournaments uh, stop me from committing a fall uh, in fairly big amateur tournaments? And and uh, there was a tournament where it was ball in hand, but in the kitchen after the break, if you scratch, and unaware as I was, I took the ball and I placed it in the middle of the table, and I was about to shoot a ball in, and and my opponent stopped me, said, "Well, you're going to commit a fall if you do that." I don't know if you're aware, but it's ball in hand in the kitchen. And I didn't take the fall. I put the ball in the kitchen and shot the shot. But what I find, and I've done that with people uh, numerous times, but these are amateur tournaments. That's a little different. This isn't the U.S. Open. Uh, gambling, I will I would never do that because the guy's just going to laugh at you. You know, and I'm going to yeah. let him foul before playing money after every game. But it's the professional sport. It's a professional, sport. Thing, but it's a professional I, sport.
0: If you're if, if if you're about to make a mistake that's that if, if I'm playing against you and you're about to make a mistake that's clearly going to give me a massive advantage, why would I stop you from doing it? Right. Well, like, I, like, I agree. Like, like I said, I, like I said, you're you're hooked on a ball. You see the guys playing a kick shot, and you think. That's completely yeah. the wrong angle. He's missing that by about three inches. Are you going to turn a around? Hey, kid, uh, you might you might want to just come down the rail a little bit because you're not going to hit that there. Of course not. You're going to you're going to sit there and go, he's about to make a fool. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Here's here's I, little, I'm
1: Chris,
2: not, little Chris says I'm not, I'm not disagreeing
1: too. with you, Jim. I, I I'm on the same side of this as you are, but I do struggle with the Aloysius yap part of it because like you might think that that's not a good uh, comparison but I I absolutely do Aloysius in no way shape or form ever thought that he was going to end up taking a foul no matter what out of that situation and you're right He Aloysius was up big at the time maybe he was up I don't remember what he was up but I think he was up pretty big in the set at that time but I mean without a doubt Shane was on the right side of that or on the we'll say the beneficial side on that at one point in time and he had the opportunity to do that. I'm not saying that he's a worse player or a worse person or whatever for because I, I, again, I agree with everything that you said. The only thing is I do remember back to year not even a calendar year ago. And that happened now. Uh, Did I, I do want to comment
2: about that. Nate, was he asked about yeah, that? Okay. I... Right, can, yeah, can, I mean... can
0: I just, can I, can I just add Adam Stevens put some up here. I know. Adam. All right. So I, I, I shall adjust my statement and say, Nobody in that room who considers themselves to have a chance to win the U.S. Open would have uh, told him.
2: Yeah.
0: Maybe I, other I, le- players that are there that, that are just there just for the experience I, and they I know just wish they're this... not going to get it. Nobody, nobody at the high level that thinks they're there to win a U.S. Open or there to get points to qualify for a Moscone Cup or oh, think that, that they're going to—it's a difference between 50k or or nothing. None of those guys are going to give them it. I would have liked to see Aloysius Yap have this, just
1: because I've seen that guy not even question the idea of it and just immediately just do
0: what he thought was. Yeah, but it's different, right? Shane, Shane, Shane said, "I called extension." Aloysius Yap said, "Okay, if Shane says he called extension, then it's fine." But with that's me. not,
1: but that, but that's not his call to make at, no, the, end he, the, day, well, at the end of the
0: it's, day. It's different from stopping somebody from making a, a foul. Well, I get that, but like the idea is Aloisius. is supposed to be in the same. How incident, how.
1: Jim, let me let me talk like the Aloysius literally could have said the extension was never warranted or it was never granted. And therefore, I don't care if he said it or not. He did not say it loud enough for uh, John Layman to hear it. And therefore, because it was never awarded, it's a foul no matter what. But he didn't say that. And if he would have said that, he would have gotten the foul. I know because I talked to the people involved with that. If, yeah, if Aloysius...
0: I, okay, that that is maybe, but that's not that's not even close to the same situation as somebody about to play a foul and you just let them do it. It's not even close. The the
1: the point is is you're going that's to get a
0: ball. It's a call of a technicality, and you don't turn you turn around the referee and say, "Referee, I want you to make a decision on this."
1: The, the well, the point is is all Aloysius or Chain has to do is say nothing, and they get ball in hand. If Aloysius says nothing, he gets ball in hand. Possibly. And if Shane says nothing, he gets ball in hand. Not, not
0: possibly. He does. Yeah, but, the, because, but, what, but one, one is, one is a referee's call and the other one is just, it's is just a clear foul. Well, the other one's a clear foul too, because the extension well, no was never warned. There's no, but Shane says, he says, I'm not going to keep going on about this because this is taking too long. I have to go and pick my daughter up. So I can't stay for the rest of the podcast. So, um, what I will say is Shane, uh, uh Jason, what a performance against Shane. You should be a wild card pick, and I think the other pick should be Al Qaeda. And
2: I know that Nate doesn't agree with me. I, I would definitely like to see David and Francisco playing together. Yeah, maybe maybe
0: we'll maybe we'll talk about the Moscone Cup wild cards on another one.
2: <clears throat> Not from on. an American well, point of view, you know, from a pool point well, of view. I'd like to. We see can we can
1: move together. over. We can let's move over to the Moscone Cup part of it right now, so we can we can talk about this on the way out. Uh, I can't. Jim, I'm Oh, all right okay yeah, I'll, say,
0: uh, I'll say. if, if you for, from a European standpoint if you if you put the captaincy hat on me there's 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 certain things that, that that captain's responsible for I mean you can't tell these players how to play pool they all know how to play pool you're not going to change anything that they're, they're they're doing the idea is you get three players given to you then you get two wild cards and you try and make those wild cards complete the full puzzle with the three that you're given automatically And the whole idea of a captain in my opinion is that you you have your period with your team to make sure that they are in the best frame of mind and best prepared to perform the best they possibly can for those four days so you do everything you can to 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 get them prepared recent years and i think still now there's three players that any captain would want on the team that's alban jason and uh joshua Josh. Yeah, they're the three guys that, you know, any other two guys with them, you're just happy as a captain if you've got those three guys in it and then you take I'm what back. you get with the other two. Yes. Alex is in a great position just now because he's got two of them already. He's got the hottest player on the planet qualifying <laughs> and he can give Jason a wild card and then he's got his fifth pick. Now, Jason, Joshua and Alban, they take care of themselves. He's got one unknown factor this year, one unknown factor, and that is he's got a rookie. Now it might be the hottest player on the planet but it's still an unknown factor because he's never played muscone cup before do i expect him to have an issue absolutely not i think he's going to go there and he's going to destroy it like he has every other event he's played in but you're never 100 sure right. so that's the only thing that i would feel that i would need to address as a captain at this moment you know it's stage one of the captaincy you've just got to pick your two wild i think jason's a lock he's got to be in there back to back uh mvp look what he just did to shane with the same break format i mean you can't not pick him people say he's not been playing this well this year well he's playing better right now than he was at this time last year he's just not getting the results and he's coming up against players that are just playing amazing matches out of yeah. nowhere you know that um when that happens that's a high level pool so for me I gotta Very look at bad. who do I how how do I how do I address the one slightly unknown factor I have and that is Sanchez Ruiz in a Moscone cup which is completely different you can ask any of the players it's completely different from anything that he will ever have played before in his life he's not going to know what hit him and they've all had it jason even is fantastic as he is now in, in in moscone cups in his first few years he really struggled to keep his emotions under control and to find a balance between you know the crowd and the emotion of it all and actually focusing on what was on the table it took jason a few years he never really played his best pool up until maybe two or three years into it so you never know for me this is the easiest pick that europe has had or it would be my easiest pick alex maybe thinks completely different other people as well for me to just pick jason because it's jason and al-qaeda because he's fsr's best mate if you ask if you ask fsr who do you want the team you'll say al-qaeda who's the guy that's with him who's the guy sitting behind him in every single one of these wins that he's had this year who's the first one there who's the first guy he looks over to when things are maybe not going well? Who's the first guy that comes up to him and gives him the pat on the shoulder? Who's the first guy having a quick word in his ear? If you give him Al-Qaeda, you might might not need him, but if you give him it, you've covered that possibility that maybe he has a bad first day or whatever, you know? And he's, Al-Qaeda's never let us down on Moscone. He's always played solid. He's always picked his points up. He's got the experience. He's a good team player. You've already got the three guys that you want. You know, if if those three guys play the way we expect them to play in a Moscone and the way they always have, and FSR plays the way he's played this whole year, <laughs> it's ended. It's it's finished on day three. You yeah, know?
2: I can't see him letting the team down at all.
0: No, but you just want to cover. You just want to cover. He's, he's cover a that.
2: rookie at the Moscone Cup. I and cannot and see
0: that. One of them. one of my, one of my rules would be: I only want one rookie on my team. So as as good as mario hayes played max lechnos played you know uh, fedor i still consider a rookie because the one he did play didn't have a crowd so for me those three fall away to the side and i'm just saying this is my opinion those three fall away at the side because i've already got one rookie i don't have space for a second one i'm not putting another one in
2: right.
0: you know so who's there then it's kazakis has got experience and you've got al-qaeda who's got experience they would be the two guys that you would say catchy probably not playing great at the moment Always a doubt about whether or not he's a good yeah, team no. player or not. So I'd be looking between Kazakis and Al Qaeda. Who's a better fit in that team? For me, it's Al Qaeda just as a natural better fit because yeah. of the rookie yard. And discuss. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> bye.
1: Okay, okay Jim goes bye bye.
2: But now I have some news for uh, pool players out there who are my age well can we can
1: we can we like can we not jump around can we can we attack that in a little bit well let's talk about it right i I mean jim just talked about his mosque.
2: we'll
0: take it
1: well jim yeah jim and i talked about this yesterday and like do i think david alkaidi would be a great addition to the team sure absolutely do i think that alex Laley has to pick him no and jim's saying like jim said this is the easiest pick europe's ever had I think that just completely like destroys and disrespects the year that Mario, he and Max Lechner have had. Both of them are above uh, David Qaeda in the money list. Both of them have bigger wins this year than uh, deeper finishes and and better wins this year than David. If you want to give me the argument that you need to coddle FSR because he's going to be a rookie and you have to give him the best environment to possibly have success, then sure. Take David. I I personally do not see FSR as needing to be coddled and protected because he's a rookie. I just I just don't see how the greatest player on earth uh, right now, at least potentially the greatest player on earth right now, maybe you can make an argument for Josh. Uh, maybe three months ago, I would have made an argument for Fedor. But regardless, you're one of two people, I think, needs to be coddled and has to have his best friend there because he's not going to be able to handle it without him. That's what Jim and I talked about yesterday. I just don't see FSR needing to be protected in a in a way that you have to pick David al I think both Mario He and uh Max Luckner are more deserving, but it's a wild card pick. If you want to pick David al sure. But I wouldn't be picking David al because you think that he needs to be there to protect FSR. I just don't see how that I just don't see how that that translates. You yeah, just don't need look to protect at it him like
2: that. Uh, that uh, Francisco would need protection, or need to be coddled, or or need to be calmed down, or or any of the other reasons. Uh, I would look more at the overall team chemistry. And if I was going to uh, pick David over Mario or some other Max or some other players that are stellar. Uh, I would say for overall team chemistry, uh, not necessarily calming Francisco down, but aiding in the overall team and feeling in the team. Uh, if, if, if Ruiz would uh, feel a little alienated because he is a rookie uh, and need to prove himself, I think having someone who is a friend and a companion well, yeah, team. but it's not, it's that's not, it's not, not like these, that's, that's, yeah, but working team chemistry, you know, team chemistry for, well, is
1: important. Sure. Me. But as far as team chemistry, as far as team chemistry, Max Lechner and Mario, he are Albin's best mate, right? They're, they're, I ah. mean, those guys are, those guys are just as close as David and FSR are. So Good point. at the end, of, at the end of the day, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, you're either going to be, you know, coddling Albin or FSR, or you can just put, the best person out there, you think, for the team, because nobody needs coddling, nobody needs protecting. Nobody yeah, needs to the you make thinking. them feel like it is. And As, at the end of the day, it's not it's not like it's not like Jason Shaw's like, oh my God, I gotta play with Max Lechner. I hate that guy. Man, I wish I had David. <laughs> Every single one of those guys are extremely respected and liked by their peers. It's not like you're getting oh, this yeah. huge oh, yeah. it's not like David's there. So uh, you know, everyone else is. You know, ever mad because everyone hates David and loves Max or vice versa. Every single one of those guys are very well liked and respected by their peers. Sure. You're not gaining a ton of chemistry. i I, you, I just don't buy that. You might gain yeah. chemistry with FSR. And if you want to talk about like maybe they're the they're the best Scotch doubles partners in the world because they just came off the World Cup of pool, that's a real argument. I mean, i I will take oh, yeah. that. I am absolutely okay with that. But you just can't give me team chemistry when, because basically, by saying team chemistry, you're saying that nobody likes Max Lechner and nobody likes Mario He, and that's why you can't pick them. Everybody loves those guys. It's just it doesn't work that way.
2: Right. No, I agree with that.
1: And it, yeah, and and you know, both of those guys are Albin's best guys. So I don't know. I, I just I just don't see. It, it comes down to if you're gonna pick if it's if you're gonna pick David Alkaidi, it's because of the scotch doubles the one the proven track record and two the scotch doubles opportunity with fsr and david if you're picking mario he or max lechner you're picking them because you think that they're in better form and the results show it that not i mean it's not like it's a mile it's not like it's not like no you know both of them have had a way significantly better year but who's
2: currently hot who's got the hot hand yeah that's a big deal I mean, if you say okay, all these professional players—I don't care anywhere from say uh, seven ninety Fargo and up—all so, play pretty close,
1: and they're all at this level, yeah. So
2: then, then so. it's hey, what players right now has got the hot hand and 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 playing the best that they can play personally?
1: Yeah. So that's my argument. that's, yeah, that's my a argument good argument. I, I I think yeah. I think the best player to pick right now is probably Mario He, um, and that's. And I, I thought it was Mac Luckner because of course, you know, the way that he played, I, I think he deserves a spot. But um I actually spoke with Max and Albin after the US open and we were just kind of chatting casually. And, you know, I, I brought up like, do you think that this is gonna get you into or what I said was what I said to Albin was um uh everyone was saying like Albin's rooting against Max and you know, uh if, if Max wins then, you know, Albin's in some serious trouble. And I you know I'm like Albin, you probably wanted Max to win, not only because he's, you know, one of your best friends, but also like you're a lock in no matter what, like if you don't qualify via points, there's no way Alex Laley isn't going to be picking you on on the team. There's no way with with the history that you've had. So if Max qualifies, that means that you qualify too, just via a wild card instead of a guaranteed spot. And he's like, yeah, that's that's exactly what I was thinking. I don't know why everybody was like thinking that I wanted him to lose so that I could be on the team. Um, and, and then Max like, yeah, I, I don't think I make it now. And I'm like, well, why don't, why don't you think you make it now? And he's like, cause I think Mario is more deserving than I am. And he's like, he's had better finishes. He's, he's been at the top of every single event. He hasn't gotten over the hump. You know, he keeps losing in the semifinals. But if you look at all of the major events, all the semifinals, you'll see Mario, he's name in almost every single one of these quarterfinals. And he's like, I don't think I deserve it as much as Mario. He does. And. I mean, if Max Lechner's telling me that uh, Mario is more deserving than he is, then yeah, maybe he is. But I, I don't know. I, I I think I think you could pick either one of those guys and be in a. Per- I think you could. At the end of the day, you could pick any of those three guys, and you're in just a fine spot, right? I mean, at the end of the day, the U.S. is picking between players that nearly a hundred Fargo points less than the players, all the players that we're naming. <laughs> so I mean, I right, can say whatever you want right. about Fargo. Right, right. Fargo is nothing more yeah. than a representation of what you've done. So it's.
2: Yeah, yeah. it might, US it might not has, be a... has a tougher tougher goal for sure. Who's going to be you know the the sure. the the picks uh, on the end the four number four and five. I mean, who who are they going to be? Ronnie here says, what 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 do you think between Tyler and Earl uh, for if you were going to have a choice between those two? Uh, Earl, no. Er, spare me, Earl, Earl. Earl, no.
1: Earl. Earl's no. I mean, done done. Earl. Yeah, I think no between
2: way. those two, you got to go Tyler, but.
1: Well the, US, well, the U.S. is actually pretty lucky, right? Because at the end of the day, the three best playing, at least very, very easily, arguably, uh, the three best U.S. players who are eligible to play the Moscone Cup all got the... Um, They all got automatic bids. Oscar, Sky, Shane. I don't think that anyone could argue any other way at least with players that are actually eligible. Uh, So now you get the wild cards to pick whoever you want. I I think, I think that, I think it's pretty obvious. Uh, Personally, I think the U S side is kind of boring. I don't see how you can pick anybody, but Billy and Tyler. Right. Uh, Chris had a pretty decent run. Um, You know, he won his first three matches, but uh, you know, he said his, his break failed him and it, and it, and it did. And, you know, we saw Chris working on his break in a couple of, uh, facebook posts but i'll guarantee you right now from the videos that i saw of what chris was doing he's not breaking hard enough to qualify i mean he (laughs) matchroom says you need to break forcibly whatever that whatever that means what i do know is what is it it's like the congressman it's like uh, with um it's hard to define what porn is but you know it when you see it is that this that's what the congressman said it anyways a forcible break is really hard to define but you know it when you see it and what Chris was doing was not a forcible break. Uh So uh, he's still going to have to figure watch out his
2: game. So, so I, I didn't,
1: yeah, he, well I was on site, so I got to watch right. a little bit of it. Right. So yeah. Yeah, I don't think he was on stream for anything, but uh he's making some YouTube posts and um or some Facebook posts and of his, of his break that he's been working on. It's not hard enough. It's not going to work. So, I mean, unless, you know, Chris can show that, um you know, he can get that breakdown. I just don't see who else, you can pick I mean what about Shane, Shane
2: young Shane Shane, Shane Wolf I mean
1: you know he's had some good runs um he's had some good runs uh but d- do I think that you know do I think that he's quite ready for it I I, I mean I don't think so um it I mean if you're, if you're telling me that I can have Tyler or Shane Wolford I'm gonna take Tyler if you yes. tell me I can have Billy Thorpe or uh, Shane Wolford, I'm gonna take Billy Thorpe. Um if I could have Shane Wolford, uh, Shane Wolford or Nick DeLeon or Greg Hogue, you know, we can have a conversation. I think I think he fits nicely into that type of um into that category. I, mean, I think he's I think he's higher than those two uh slightly. I think I think Shane is really coming into form and he's playing some really solid pool.
2: What, but when I is just, his pick gonna be out? <clears throat> when are we gonna know about the I think the
1: wild cards are coming up pretty soon. You think so, yeah, I think they're they're coming out. well, you got to get these know.
2: guys ready to play. I mean, you know, you you want to let them know early.
1: sure. well, and and I, I gotta push back on Ronnie a little bit. So like there's no such thing as deserving when it comes to a wild card pick, right? I mean, deserving starts and ends with the three qualified spots. I mean, that's those are the people who deserve them because they earn them by getting up high enough uh past that it's not about deserving it's about who jeremy thinks would create the best team and you don't deserve anything if you don't qualify i i i mean and that's why you know you know jim could turn this around on me right here and say well that's why david al-qaeda is getting in sure i mean i would concede at that point in time to to david al-qaeda but like i just i just don't see how joey tate is not getting in stop that (laughs) sorry tom no (laughs) um uh I, I just, yeah, it's not about deserving to me. It's about who's going to be the best team and you cannot tell me and you cannot look at anything that Shane has done and say that he is a better player than Billy Thorpe at this point in time in his career. Will he be in the future on
2: a team before Nate?
1: Yeah. Yeah. He played in 20, I'm going to get this wrong. Uh, 2016, maybe. Okay. So one other
2: time he played.
1: Yeah, I think so. Okay. So, um, and he didn't do well, um, but that was you know, that was kind of when we were getting beat down, and sure, so who knows,
2: yeah, he's been playing a lot the last couple of years, so
1: yeah, he's been playing a ton I mean his, his he will be there
2: well yeah, um, I believe so too,
1: yeah, he will be there uh, I mean, if if Shane's not in this year, he I think he will block. be there next year, right. No, no. So the three the three on the US side who are already announced are Shane, Sky, and Oscar.
2: Yeah.
1: I Melita's believe he's
2: got to be happy about that, I bet. That's his sure.
1: buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Oscar. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think Oscar was deserving last year. I think okay. Oscar's deserving over Earl. Yeah, we uh, talked about and, and that again, last year. Yeah. And I and, and I'm using deserving there, not in the sense that I just hated on, but I mean like deserving in a sense of that he's playing the best. I mean, he's he's a yeah. I think he's a better player than Earl. And if he's not a better player than Earl, he's oh, yeah. close enough that his head will be better than Earl's in the moment. So
2: <laughs> most most players might be. Yeah, I so. mean, there's the show-stopping quality that Earl brings to the table is exceptional for sure. I mean, whether it's good or bad, it's it's showmanship of one form or another. Nobody's going to beat Earl at that. So, uh, but the actual play, it is a TV show. Who knows? it it is yeah yeah it is yeah it's enter- supposed to be entertainment and uh and he brings who do that you like back to the table?
1: So who do you like on the US side? Who do I like? Yeah, for the 4th and 5th picks.
2: I do like Tyler uh for one of them. Uh the the 5th pick, you know, there's there's a, there's a lot of room here. You know, you've got you've got half a dozen players out there that could fill that spot. And probably perform equally. Actually, uh, you know Thorpe. I, I, of course, sure. we know his track record. You know, he 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 his game seems to elevate. In this year, not so much in the Open, but his game seems to elevate in, in on that stage. Uh, you know, you bring him to the Moscone Cup, international pool. It's one; it's the biggest one out there, and uh, it's nine ball. And, and who's any better at that? But I I think what he needs. And I didn't watch any of his matches or anything. You might have, but what was his break like with the nine ball on the spot? Did did he get control of that a little bit or no? I, didn't, I didn't watch. To be honest, I he didn't watch, watch any of those. Okay, because okay. no. that's that when you watch Tyler, I mean, how many times did he make that one ball on the side on the break? Almost every single time he broke, that one was going right in the side. Now maybe he wasn't ending up with a shot after that, but he was pocketing the one in the side at a high rate. I'm going to say 70% at least seven out of 10 breaks. He was making the one in the side. Now are these other players going to have the ability to do that when you watch Francisco and you watch, uh, uh, Carlo and, uh, uh and you know, all, all the other top 10 players, they were making the one in the side at a high percentage. So they were getting another turn at the table and the first one to the table be having control of it, whether you push out next or kick safe or whatever safety you play, you you are at an advantage, period. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the players that succeeded in the open were pocketing the ball in a break. I mean, there was a couple breaks where three four balls would go. I don't know. I can't remember a break where somebody made four four balls, uh, yep. and that was in the semifinals, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I mean it's. Yeah. So it's I mean, not
2: that they're not able to make balls. It's, it's, it, it's, it's not a consistent thing every time you break. That and that's why they you're going to this, make right. that wing ball. You're not guaranteed that now. That's why and You're not guaranteed to those of where that cue ball is going back and forth, and and it's going in the side every once in a while when it doesn't get kissed. Uh, or the corner. Look at Shane in that last tournament or whatever. How many you scratched like four or five times in a row?
1: Yeah. Yeah. The European Open.
2: Yeah. What's with that?
1: Yeah. I mean, two
2: rails cross side four or five times.
1: Another name that hasn't gotten any love, but uh, it's probably because he hasn't been playing as many of the matchroom events. But I think Jeremy Seaman would be an okay player. I mean, he's playing in all of the Predator stuff. I mean, he is. Is is he having a lot of deep finishes? No, not really. But he is. You know, he's out there. He's battle tested. He's he's you know, he's at least been in the mix. I, I think. To, to not at least give him a shout-out would be a, a disservice to how well he's playing. Um, and, of course, you know, he's a 770 Fargo.
2: Right. What's Chris Reinhold's number, Fargo? It's right
1: around a 755, okay. 760, somewhere and you said in no, there. said,
2: no, his break wasn't working too well. He wasn't hitting him hard enough or something? Or Did you watch him? Well,
1: play? so, yeah, I watched him play on site, and his break was just failing him. I mean, he was running out the balls really well. I mean, he won his first three matches to get into the final 32. But then okay. – um you know his his break kind of failed him at the highest level he's a 743 okay. um his his break kind of failed him at the highest level and so he started going off and working on it and he posted a video yesterday that, that i saw and you know his it, he was breaking and making a couple balls but his, his cue ball was barely getting off the rail and barely coming back into the stack and just barely getting through it so it's like that's not going to be hard enough i mean okay. you, you got to they're gonna they're gonna say right away like that's not a hard enough break and I think I think I don't even know what the rules are whether it's the first one's a warning and the second one is just a loss of inning or if the first one's immediately a loss of inning but um, I know that what I saw that's not gonna work so uh, we'll see we'll see on that uh, so uh, how I about guess our
2: podcast buddy did you watch him play at all out there Chris he didn't go Chris Alexander far, but Demi.
1: Oh, Demetrius. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't able to watch much of his matches. Okay. Yeah, I was. Um. Yeah, I, I wasn't able to watch him much. Demetrius doesn't play in enough events
2: to be able to. No, I know that he's. Yeah. Uh, he wouldn't be a pick, but I was just wondering yeah. how it went for him because I I won a match, but a couple. Yeah. yeah. So
1: uh, yeah, I guess let's um. Did you have any picks? Who are your fourth and fifth? You Tyler and who?
2: Tyler and then I'm I'm up in the air. I really don't have one that I can say, yeah, this this player sure. needs to be on uh, on the team. Yeah. A- actually, I I do like Chris. I I do. I I, I he's I would been be okay
1: there. with Tyler,
2: You know, he he has been there and on the team and he he yes, okay, did he falter a couple times here or there or whatever and and but I I just I think he can bring a game. I I, I like him for the team. I do.
1: Okay, so let's move on. Uh I do want to give a shout out really quickly cuz uh we didn't talk about this when we talked about the US Open, but I think it's worth talking about uh the the Shane Van Boning Juniors uh that uh, the SVV Junior Open Pool Championship that happened at the same time. Uh Khalid Algamdi Gets first place congratulations this was the junior so under 18 trenton white gets second place american awesome landon hollinsworth an amazing up-and-coming player i mean this this kid is going to be he already is the real deal uh just a matter of getting him a few more years to get up into that uh, up into that uh you know that that elite tier with the rest of the u.s players cash and keaton also uh actually streamed a match with him and uh sam henderson and i'm actually I don't want to like dog on him, but like he was not the player that he was now. I mean, he he has improved so much in the last year, year and a half. He's obviously been putting in the the really really hard work. So awesome to you, Cash, and keep up that awesome work. Uh, Yannick Pongers and Dakari Turnquist, uh, Lazaro Martinez the third, and Nico Konkel uh, all get fifth through eighth. So pretty awesome stuff uh, on board. Sportswear shout out they uh, sponsored the event with some pretty sick jerseys. Uh they were kind of the light blue tealish uh, that Shane nice. actually wears. They, were, they, they like were, those. were pretty sick. So yeah. Uh shout out to board for doing that and for sponsoring the event. Um yeah, I guess let's let's move on to the last which is Jason Shaw versus Shane Van Boning. I don't think Shane has been beaten this bad in his entire career. Uh <laughs> 120 to 80. I never saw that coming. I had a lot of people ask me, what do I think was going to happen? I thought Shane was going to win not com- like super comfortably but i thought he'd win by double digits and i i'm eating it i will eat the crow on this one i mean jason shaw what a performance incredible yeah. stuff
2: you think uh uh shane had a little uh post open letdown in this match like it was just <laughs> a bad timing for him
1: i i have no clue um That's i mean at I the think. end of the day like he he went just i mean he Shane was not jet lagged. There's no way he was jet lagged. I mean, he, no, I don't mean no, but, jet lagged. I, I mean, well, no, no um, I I'm, I'm referring to Tom cause Tom, I mean, he was well, at, he was at the Philippines. Sure. But I mean, he spent, I think a week at home before he even came to the, to the U S open. So uh, he was, he was definitely not jet lagged. Um, and if it was a Texas, so it's a one hour time difference behind. I I don't know. Um, I don't know what happened to be honest. I mean, Jason's I a great player. I mean, of
2: a motivational leg. That's what I think.
1: You know, he's played a lot of big matches. Uh, He's played three of them in the Philippines, and then he comes over and he plays the U.S. Open. But, I mean, you're a professional player. I mean, I can't give him really a pass on that because, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, this is your job. You can't just – well, I mean, I guess a lot of people do just take weeks off of work (laughs) emotionally and mentally, right? But
2: Have you ever talked to a player who is, like, was in the peak of their career, kind of, and – They'll say things after a tournament, a five-day, four-day event that that they don't they don't even eat or sleep right for a week afterwards. That they're they're so drained emotionally and mentally, not physically drained, but the other part of the game, the head game, that they're not right in their mind for for a week afterwards. I've talked to some players like that, and they'll they'll say that. They'll say I just I don't eat right. I don't sleep right. I don't, you know, for a, like it's a post. It, uh, the the mental stress to play top-level pool day after day, match after match against people who are just as good as you practically uh, is draining. How can you go after like a U.S. Open and then play a single match against one of the best players in the world and have all your faculties with you? I, I don't care yeah. if you're the best professional on earth. I mean,
1: sure. I, I, I mean I think that there definitely is something to that. Um with that being said, I mean Shane didn't make the last two days of the event of the US Open. I mean he was knocked out in the final thirty two, I believe. I think I think he I think he lost in the round of actually he may have lost in the round of sixty-four now that I think about it. Uh it was either the round of sixty two or the round of 30,
2: 64 or thirty two. Well, if Joey I mean, he, beats him, he loses earlier than that.
1: Well, that was the opening run. I mean, theoretically, he could battle back and make the final 64 in the single knockout stage. But, um, I mean, it definitely does. I mean, uh, I mean Raymond would know. I mean, he's a he's an absolute top player too. But, um, I mean, how much I, – I don't know. I just don't know how much time it takes to recover. Because, I mean, Shane was done, I believe, at the latest on Friday. And I think he may have been done on Thursday out of the tournament. So, he has until Monday when this match starts. Is that enough time to decompress? I I don't know. Um, you know, it could have been an oversight too. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, we're talking I mean, everything that we've talked about so far is why Shane didn't win. And maybe the reason Shane didn't win is just because Jason played that great.
2: Well, that could be too.
1: I, I mean, at the end, maybe there's no excuse. I mean, maybe Shane, maybe Shane was absolutely dead prepared and there's you know, there's nothing he could have right. done to be more prepared or, or more ready. And Shane or Jason just outplayed him. Yep. I mean that's that's absolutely possible. Jason absolutely. is that caliber of player. It's not like it's a weird thing for Jason to to beat Shane like this, and everyone's like, oh, it's it's if not you like can me run beating seven
2: hundred balls in straight pool.
1: Yeah, you got a chance, right? I mean, you got a chance. You got a chance. Maybe it's not like it's it's not like it's me beating uh, you know Shane Van Boning one hundred and twenty to eighty. It is Jason Shaw. I mean, the guy can play yeah. some pool, right? Yeah, maybe that that's would
2: put it. you in a, into a coma if that happened.
1: Yeah, maybe. I, yeah um who knows i mean nine ball is definitely a closer game i don't think jason's gonna take him on uh uh, 10 ball 10 ball anytime soon no
2: probably not the break is too big (laughs) a 40
1: piece nugget is a serious meal plan that's (laughs) that's good
2: okay honey bye
1: you know i think almost i'm gonna just because i think it'd be of interest raymond i'm gonna i'm gonna send you an invite to this if you want to come in and chat with us for a second we're going to be closing up pretty soon here but um raymond is uh an extremely smart and articulate player as well so i think he'd be and of course he played in the event so i think if uh if you're free and you want to jump in and chat with us feel free chip it all right here he comes ship it I got to do some commentary with uh, Raymond in uh, the New Jersey tournament, so I'll give you a shout out for that. it's always fun doing commentary with him. He's he's a uh, he's a lot like me in a sense of like we have very very dry senses of humor, and if we'll we'll often we'll say a joke and like like uh, and dry I think like this is watching dry wood. Well, there's a lot of people like like. Um, Um, they think that like, I'm an asshole because like when I make a joke, generally speaking, people are supposed to laugh at their own jokes if it's funny, but I don't laugh at like hardly anything. So like, I'm super dry and like Raymond, like, is like the same way where he'll make like the funniest joke in the history of forever. And he just doesn't do anything. He just sits there like, yeah, yeah, I did that. It's, it's fun. He's a fun dude to be around.
2: Yeah. You're beyond dry, Nate. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 I am. I'm a very... I have a very dry sense of humor, we'll say. But um no, he was he was at this event too, and he was also playing in the uh the sandcastle open as well, which shout out to Ed Ladawi. Uh I was at the ed, uh, that one. Oh, here we are. And he's got the most epic beard ever, right?
2: Let me kill the oh nice. Uh,
1: What's yeah. going on, Ray? I'm back
2: here. So uh, he needs uh, a little volume. All right, I think I'm here. Can you hear me? You are we
3: here, can hear we you. hear you. Great. Sorry, I'm in my office computer, so I don't have my lighting done right or anything like that. So you, you kind of caught me off guard here. But how's it going?
1: Good. How are you, man?
3: <clears throat> Doing great, man. Yeah. Uh, so
1: rem- remember when we were sitting in the booth and you had the, this? there's a lot of beard in this, in correct. this booth and only one of us is contributing? There's a lot of, there's a lot of beard in this uh, podcast and you're still the only one contributing.
2: What? Nate, you might have a problem growing a beard.
1: I don't want to talk about it.
2: <laughs> That's hilarious. <But> yeah. Uh, <laughs> How can Do I you shave care? at all, even?
1: Don't worry about it. I got the manscape, all right? I got the lawnmower 4.0. <laughs> I love
2: it. Fire.
3: Um, yeah, man. I mean, uh, you guys were talking about the decompression time post-US Open. And, you know, Shane, I think he was, he was out in the round of 64. And then... Um, you know after that he still had to be at the us open to kind of tend to his duties for the junior stuff so he's kind of like on on task for that you know not really getting a chance to relax or whatever and then you can tell he was sweating to some of the the matches that were going on and watching carlo i think uh I saw him he was by the arena watching carlo and francisco's match and stuff and then after that you got to go and you got to travel and get ready to go knock heads with with jason but i think people were probably more critical of shane's loss just because of the errors that he made not so much that they expected jason not to play as good as he did because jason is a fantastic player but there are just some mistakes that were uncharacteristic you're not used to seeing shane make so you can make excuses for it you know there's some there's probably some mental stuff factoring in you know but jason to jason's credit he put a lot of heat on someone and if you're prone to in that moment respond to a situation with a little disengagement or to kind of press and, you know, not execute well, and the guy on top of you is just beating on you, beating on you, beating on you, putting more pressure, it's kind of hard to keep the snowball from from becoming an avalanche, you know? And Jason... Ah,
2: the snowball, an avalanche, yes. There is that factor.
3: Jason just kind of, that momentum's a big deal. And sometimes guys just, you know, will get to a spot where they, if they don't believe that they can come back and and make the run, then they don't come back and make the run, especially if they're struggling with break or, you know, they're making little errors and that kind of stuff It's kind of hard to get in the trenches and just go one, one step at a time and climb the mountain. So, you know, Jason, How many Opens
2: have you played in, Raymond? This is my,
3: I guess my third one. I played my first U.S. Open in 2011 after I won the U.S. Amateurs. Uh, So I won Ah. the qualifier spot. And then, um, played my first one in a while last year Played last year
1: yeah i remember he's playing last year and
3: then and then this year um so i'll play every open for the rest of my life probably until they just all right
2: Mm -hmm.
1: there well tell us about it you played in uh both the sandcastle and the the us open Mm -hmm. what'd you think
3: um i mean it's it's good to, to have a bunch of tournaments that are similar formats uh within you know a few weeks of each other especially for, as guys try to dial in on stuff like the break you know um and I'm, I'm glad that matrim went with the nine on the the spot with the template um and yeah. kept it the whole tournament yeah i think we saw with one of their previous tournaments when you try and switch to the triangle it's it just it doesn't do well there's too no, much i didn't
2: like that either there.
3: and the break is hard enough as it is as we've seen with the template right um like the guys aren't going to make the wing ball every time and it's hard to get position and line things up and get balls dressed up over the corners. Like you would with the one on the spot. So there's no more kisses. Yeah. There's enough variance as it is by constricting the box and putting the template and the nine on the spot that you don't need to worry about anything else. It's already, that's the hardest you can do. So it's my purview. They should just keep that forever and make that their standard. I do agree with that. The nine on the, the, the box thing, I get it. Um, I'm I'm impartial, whether it's from the box or from the rail, the box is fine, cool. That's gonna be the standard, then go with it. I don't like the three-point rule, I think that's dumb. So I think they have it right, Right. and I kind of like mirrored the international open. And then now you have the international open coming, so I'm expecting now that break standards are gonna go up um, because you have two big events that happen right before this one, and it's world-class competition, you start realizing what's really valuable. So I think guys should really be honing in and working on that break. I've kind of like implemented a strategy. If there's a, a critical shot that comes up for a tournament that um, that you're going to be competing in, like if you play the Predator events, it's the shootout shot, right? That that spot shot with the ten ball, that has to be in the pocket, right? You just got to work on it till it's it's automatic. There should be no like, oh, I wonder if I should shoot like this or shoot like that. Uh, I went to the Michigan Open and I had kind of really drilled the, the shootout ball, and I I um I ended up beating Roland Garcia. Um, to get to a winner's qualification round he's a number one rated player in that tour but when i watched him play me he was shooting the shootout shot in a certain fashion which i don't agree with I, I don't think it's as consistent and then he played alex and he switched he kind of uh not fully mimicked the way i did it but adjusted his style so that tells me that he didn't have it in the bag like it wasn't rock solid set he's kind of like testing stuff out probably because carlo was going up there whipping the ball around hundred miles an hour with draw or whatever. And he was like, well, Carlos making a hundred of these spot shots. I should try it this way. And I, I don't, I don't agree with the way Carlo was shooting it, even though he's a super freak talented guy. I just think that if you put his way up versus like a Fedor or Mika, who's rolling the ball in they they each shoot 2000 shots. He's going to miss more shots than the other guys are. Um,
1: so so Car- Carlos <laughs> going uh, short rail, long rail, long rail, short rail, right?
3: Yeah, he's whipping a three-rail short with draw at a little bit higher speed. And I just think with a new cloth, it's it's more prone to you're going to have a, a stroke hitch one out of every 20 shots. You're going to have a deflection hitch one out of every 20 shots. You're going to have you know, the higher rate of speed. You might just miss hit the ball one out of every 20 shots. And that adds up over time. You have these percentages layered into how you're shooting the shot. Whereas if Federer just has to deliver his cue straight and roll the ball and he's not accounting for stun and throw and all this other stuff, he's just going to make a good hit more times than you are. And he's going to beat you. Chang as well, you know. Those kind of guys who are super, super efficient with it, they kind of just, this is how we're going to shoot it every single time and I'll die on my sword. I might miss a ball. I don't care. I'm going to shoot this every single time this way. And over time, I'm going to outlast people who are shooting it and changing lines and doing them shooting from the rail one time and then shooting from the bottom rail another time. They're just adding layers of variance that don't need to be there. Um, and so I saw kind of Roland doing that when he played me, and he was also kind of feeling some pressure, it looked like, for whatever reason. So I just had a feeling I was going to win because I was like, I already have made my decision on how I'm going to shoot this ball. There's no pressure on, like, that's not a factor in, in my head, you know? So I think that's got to be the case. And the same thing has to go with the break, uh, the matchroom stuff. Like this nine on the spot, 10-foot break, you got to go put in your time. You know what I mean? And so, like, when I went to Michigan, I shot 100 uh, shootout shots from 25 from each quadrant for, like, you know, a little two-hour session at the pool room and kind of dialed in a process that works for me. And that was my approach. And I just repeated that a few times. And now I have you know 400, 500, 600 shootout shots in my pocket and I feel confident. Now, when we went to a shootout, it's not a big deal. I don't have to sweat the fact that I'm in a shootout. I know I'm gonna make this shot. And I made all my shootout shots and he missed uh, two, I think. So you gotta be at that place so that that kind of like takes the edge off. So you're not wondering about this, the little nuances of these shots, either the break shot or the shootout shot. When you go to, to compete, The wondering about that nuance is gone. You know, you have, uh, at least for yourself, your process is set, and that can help take the pressure off a little bit. And you can just focus on going through your process and delivering that shot, you know. And it just so happens to be that Alex Bagelion is sitting down, you know, (laughs) while you're shooting this shot. You know what I mean? So it's just like, oh, look, Alex is sitting here while I'm trying to make this ball uh, or execute this shot under pressure. So. I think that's really important, the workmanship behind it.
2: That reminds me of the story <laughs> I told on one podcast about uh, Jamie Barracks, when I met him at a tournament one time, and he told me he he practices by uh, shooting and aiming to shoot 200 consecutive spot shots in uh-huh. without missing in a row. Uh-huh. And I went, no, you're joking, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> and right. he goes, no, no. I said, so you're telling me when you get to 192, you just start over, and he goes, "Yeah, till I get to 200." And so that's yeah. a little bit, Raymond, a little bit what you're saying is that when you 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 do that time after time after time after time, mm-hmm. then then you do have that process built in, right? Where now there's there's just not as much stress on the shot, right? Now you've just you've just made it 200 times in a row. I yeah.
3: Mean, and, what's and another four exactly for for the guys that are really drilling you know they always ask how do i work on my confidence well this is how you know you get numbers you know, like i i kind of spreadsheet a lot of stuff and i write down like yesterday <clears throat> i did um I, I started implementing kind of like my break training leading up to the international and i wrote down okay i'm just going to work my break for this next hour two hour block i'm going to aim to break 100 times um, i'm going to break 25 from the left, 25 from the right, 25 from the left, 25 from the right. Everyone is marked. Everyone tells me, okay, I made X amount of balls. Uh, I have a little column at the bottom, dry breaks, nine on the snap, um, break and scratch. And then I just tally those up. And now I have metrics. And now I say, okay, for this 50 break period, I broke and made 72 balls, which means I have a 1.44 balls per break average. I scratched on the break three times, or I broke dry three times. I scratched on the break once, I made one nine on the break. Now I know for fifty game period, these are within the realm of, of my, you know, returns on years.
2: Very scientific approach. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
3: it's, it's metrics. I mean, we use it in every other sport analytics for basketball and advanced stuff, you know, that's how they really kind of figure out player efficiency ratings. Um, so if you have that for yourself for, let's say something as crucial as the break,
2: then, Rid you know, your alley,
3: if, if if I broke and scratched in this in this set that I know out of 50 games, I'm liable to break and scratch twice or three times in this format. You know what I mean? So that means for the next 50 games, I might not, you know, 30 games, I might not break and scratch. So I don't have to be so, so tentative or so afraid and uh, tighten up a little bit. Just keep delivering your, your stroke, your, your, you know, your action and just the way you've trained yourself to execute the shot. And the, the numbers will bear out for you o- over the course of time. And I think for the American players, as they're working their way up the ranks, you know, they feel the added pressure of the, like, got to perform now thing. And so, and there's also the expectation from the fans. They keep on talking about, oh, American players aren't talented enough and they're not working hard. They're working hard. But what happens is that it takes time for the numbers to bear out in their favor. What you're watching now with Francisco having this stellar year That's not one year in the making. That's five, six, seven years of process in the making that he's gone through the stuff that the American players are starting to go through now to get to the point where he can stand on top of the match table at the end of the US Open and be the champion. And all the people saying that, oh, American players aren't working hard or they're not training hard. You have to be patient. A lot of them haven't been playing. There's been one or two guys that have been playing consistently the last four or five years, and they're having their results still. Shane is world champion, but he's been playing consistently the last 20 years. Skyler is still looking to break into that spot. And he's been going at it four or five, six with me. Skyler is going to be due for like a big, super major title because he's four or five years into his process. So we can't have this idea that, you know, just because they're not getting the results right now, I understand as a sports fan, it's like, it's tempting to want to have that inclination to be like, oh, we're going to get the results right now. And if we're not, then woe is me, doom, everybody sucks. Like, that's not the, that's not the truth. There are, there's like 30 guys in the U.S. that are traveling, that are grinding, that are putting in their, their due diligence, that are putting in their time and their hours, that are going to start yielding those results over the next three, four, five years. But you know, fans, especially American fans, especially people that are in social media, they want the best results right now. They want it yesterday. They <laughs> want that themselves. But they understand that this is a journey. And the second that they get into the minutia of like, I have to make this ball right now or my entire life is over, then they self sabotage and they don't get there. Like Greg Hogue, for instance, he had a great year, he put in a tremendous amount of work on the table was literally one match away from qualifying for Moscone Cup outright. You know, so I hope for Greg's sake, even if he doesn't get picked now as a wild card, that he doubles down on the interest of the time that he's put in this year and continues to go through his process because in the next two, three, four years, it's going to it's going to it's going to benefit him and his process over time. You know, we're looking at a vacuum of, of a small window of time and he's trying to break through. It's a great story, but you know, he can't get down on himself if he doesn't get a wildcard pick cuz he gave his best effort to qualify outright and he was one match away. That's exactly the spot you want to be in. If if you tell me or any other American player, "Okay, I'm going to put you in a spot at the end of the year where if you win one match, you make the team." Would you take that? Every one of them should say yes. Right. Because now it's in their hands and they know they can go out there and play one match. And if, it, if they happen to win, they make the team. Fantastic. I'll take that 20 years in a row because out of 20 years, I might I might I might start getting there six, seven or eight times. You know, that's <laughs> right. that's all you, that's all you 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 can hope for. So right, I think we think- need to take a step back and just kind of chill and be like be encouraging to their local guys and really kind of realize that there's a process that's going on for them as they start kind of dedicating themselves to the craft.
2: Are are the are the European <laughs> players by and large uh, backed by their uh, government in any way, shape, or form? Uh, in yeah, other words, many, Do they have to have are. jobs, or can they just play pool?
3: Yeah, I many mean, are. A lot of them are, and a lot of them are, are being supported and sponsored to travel. That's a huge. That is a big. Thing. That's a volume of time. So now you have, you have to think about it. Okay, if there's there's a puzzle here. The puzzle is how do you outlast and how do you beat. The best players in the world they're going to beat you on on, on tournament time volume right because they're getting sponsored and trained you have to be more diligent with what tournaments you go to and pick and kind of manage that stuff until you get to a position where you can dedicate more time so your training volume has to be as high or higher and you have to simulate that pressure environment for yourself whether it's in small gambling games or whether it's in just you know your practice time, whatever it is, you can't allow them to have a higher volume of dedicated focused work. And so I think when when you get really down into the nuts and bolts, if you're more detailed about your process, you can catch up a little bit on some of the iterations that they're getting through with just high level competition, because they're all working at like, I kind of view competition as like, okay, this is the meta game, right? And we're gonna refine within the meta, what's the most efficient thing. And you kind of iron that out over 10,000 games over a year of all the top professionals playing, right? You see what wins games and what doesn't win games based on the current skill set. So you can either try and outlast them with the current skill set or improve your skill set so you have an advantage in an area of weakness that the meta is showing you. So the meta is showing you we're weak in this area, but we're super strong in this area. Well, you're not going to stand in the middle of the ring and try and outpunch Mike Tyson because that doesn't work, you know? So how do you beat Mike Tyson? You gotta be a better fighter. You gotta be a technical fighter. You gotta move. You gotta extend. Bite his ear off. You gotta get past the third round. That was always a thing. Was past the third round, he's gonna tire out, and then you can start landing your jab, win on points, and then you can come in. Especially if you're a big fighter, you can hold him off, hold him off, hold him off, and then boom. That's how Holyfield beat him. That's how you know Lennox Lewis got him. So there's there's an answer to every puzzle. People just have to ask the right questions. And so I see a lot of people trying to get in the middle of the ring with filler and outpunch filler, and that's just a losing strategy. Until he becomes older and stops, you know, just shooting everybody's liver in, right? I mean, he's like the modern Earl. So you're either going to outpunch Filler or you're going to beat Filler in a different way. And so, sure. my question to most American players is what kind of player do you want to be? Do you want to put yourself in a losing position and go the hard way, which is to try and outpunch Shane for all these offensive monsters? Or do you want to work on your game and become technically more savvy? out move them to get to a winning position and then you run out your balls when your balls are open you do your thing and that's that's the thing
2: well i think that's where demetrius is coming from too yeah uh what do you are you self-employed raymond
3: uh currently no i i, I work um full-time with a um a, a media outlet and i do pro- professional video production stuff for them so they keep me mostly occupied but i do okay. come finance background. Less, okay so, so your
2: pool time is limited then <laughs> It's you're, focused. Okay. Yeah.
1: Very structured. It's a, that. a good way of putting it. It's it's focused <laughs> and yeah. it's got to be, it, which, which is probably why you're putting all the analytics into it. Right. So you can yeah. optimize what time that you do have. Yeah. Right?
3: I don't have the luxury of just oh, I'll just go around here and just hit balls for a couple. I mean, I could do that, you know, but, okay. opinion, you know, you sure. know? That's, <clears throat> I think a lot of people kind of get lazy and they don't. Well, I they
2: see, see you're wearing glasses. Yeah, and uh, have you always worn glasses playing pool? No, I don't wear them when I
3: play pool. I take them off when I play pool.
2: You don't wear it, so you have no correction when you're playing pool, then? No, and- I've tried I'm to yeah, say- uh, I've tried to wear the
3: doctor, uh, what's his name in, in Philadelphia, Doctor Curran.
2: Yeah,
1: so, the one that's at, like way up here.
3: I ordered his glasses and I tried them on, but the correction, the magnification is too intense for me, and like, that the depth of field is is weird. I feel like I'm in a fishbowl, so I'd have to go see him and kind of tone them down so I can have some kind of correction, but I definitely can't shoot with these on and I'm used to playing, you know,
2: okay. I'm 4 excited
3: naturally. So I'm not, you know, I have, I have some edge correction there, but it'd be,
2: um,
3: it'd be better if I had,
2: that's what I found with correction on my eyes, uh, is the depth perception (laughs) was not accurate. My brain, uh, couldn't translate what I was seeing into reality. Right. Because you're not yeah. seeing reality. You're seeing. I'm not, I'm not used to seeing really. the
3: ball kind of like almost magnified up close to my eye. When I have the glasses on, it is strange. I can't. I don't feel. I have to feel like I have to like stand further back. Okay.
2: Okay. Away from the ball.
3: So I'd rather just not deal with it until I can get the, the that done properly. And I'd probably have to yep. do that person with him. So, um, yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm kind of with you there. I I mean, I don't always wear glasses, but um, I can't play with them on.
3: I did see at a holiday in last night though.
1: So that's effective. Yeah, no, so I, basi- that it basically qualifies you for most things.
3: Do you wear contacts? I've tried the contacts thing, but that my reflex to it just—it's painful. It's comically, I, it's yeah. it, it, hilariously sad how bad it was trying to put a contact in my my eyes. So I just, oh yeah,
2: I could not. I used to have, have you wear a magnifying glass thing to look at, even see sure. if I had it inside out or outside <clears throat> in on my wow. finger. Well, Rob, this seems
1: like a perfect time to transition to what you wanted to talk about today. So why don't, well, I, you, why don't you? Yes,
2: I do want to mention this to uh, players in my age range who now are finding. So that the their mid,
1: vision... mid to mid to mid to late one thirties, right? One hundred thirties.
2: Exactly. Uh, you know, and players uh, so who have vision problems. Anyways, it doesn't even matter really what your age is, but you can see as as you age, your vision uh, deteriorates somewhat. Normally, that's a normal process. Well. Uh, there is a way now I, I, have lens replacement surgery done recently, about three months ago. I see now, like I did when I was 25 years old and 30 years old. So my pocket pool game is revitalized, totally revitalized. Uh, and instead of just playing sick into three cushion, cause I can't see now I'm back to starting to play pocket pool. But my, my point is this. When it's, this is not LASIK, this is lens replacement, right? And they have uh, some high end quality lenses now uh, mm-hmm. that fix all kinds of things with just one lens. And you the, the consensus is that you need to have cataracts or starting of cataracts to have this lens replacement surgery done. <clears throat> it, it is like a criteria that the surgeons have to meet. In order to say, yes, this patient is qualified to have the surgery done. Well, I don't have cataracts. I didn't even really have the start of cataracts, just barely because of my age. Yet I had cataract surgery. Well, how did that happen? It happened because I explained to my eye doctor the quality of life that I needed for the rest of my life, if that's five years or 10 or whatever it is. And then he said, oh, huh, I just had a truck driver in here not too long ago that's, you know, 40 years old, didn't have cataracts, but yet I recommended him for cataract surgery. And the surgeon said, okay. And they did it because it was his quality of life because he drives a truck for a living. Right? I said to the surgeon and the, the doctor, I said, what if I'm playing pool for a living? Mm -hmm. And I need this for a quality of life and for me to make a living playing pool, which I don't play pool for a living, but yet it's income. He said, huh, I'm going to recommend you for surgery. So I went to the surgeon and I said the same thing to him. I want a quality of life for the next five or 10 years or however many years I have left. Will you do the surgery? And he said, yes, I will.
3: That's fantastic. Yeah.
2: So it was, it was out of pocket expenses. For sure. Sure. But so what? Right. I can see right now at the age of 74, like I could see when I was 30. That's awesome. It is awesome. And so for all the people out there, that are thinking they can't have the surgery done because they don't have cataracts. You can get around it. You You just just have to find an eye doctor that'll recommend a surgeon to you and a surgeon that'll do the surgery. Yeah. So there, there, it's, it's not like mandated. You have to have cataracts to have this surgery, you don't. And I want to share that with all the players, pool players out there that are have these big glasses over the top of their eyes and they're they're playing and looking at the rims and they can't. It's just it's it's, they love the game, so they're willing to put up with all this visual uh, uh, cluster in order to play when that isn't absolutely necessary. There's ways to do it. And uh, I was lucky. I found a doctor that recommended me and I found a surgeon that would do it.
1: It's good stuff. Good stuff. Really good stuff. And now I can get you to play with my wife in some more pool
2: tournaments. I can absolutely. And I will. She can can carry you to the. Start going back to tournaments. I'm going to play. My game was, my game is back, fella.
3: You should still keep playing three cushion now. Don't just get away from
2: it absolutely i'm ne- i'm never quitting three cushion because i learned something i just played uh uh yasper uh yeah uh, dick Jaspers. yeah and he came here to put on an exhibition a couple of clinics you're very lucky and i got my name drawn of, out of a hat to play him wow. and i was in the clinic besides so i had a you know four hours with him and everything like that but uh we played a short race to 12. Mm-hmm. i lost 12 to eight which, in four right. innings, you're, which you're, was you're, not that bad. Yeah, yeah, pretty darn good for me. Way. Right. And, and, I mean, and he can run
3: twelve and you know whenever he wants. So it's kind of like pretty much.
2: You know, he, a, he ran a four, a three, a, you yeah, know, yeah. what, and then it was my it was like eight to one. Right. In one inning, I made I made one and two innings, and then it was my turn to shoot again, and he helped me. Right. He said, "Hey, you want a suggestion on this next shot?" And I went, "Sure, Dick. Anything you say." Right and i made the shot and he says hey you want want help again on this next shot i went sure and he goes well try this and i went oh that sounds perfect to me and i did it and i made it and and then he looked at me and he went i'm done helping you and he went and sat down (laughs) because i ran two more after that so then it was like eight to five
3: (laughs) right well i mean (laughs) The the Carom influence in pool I think is is huge. And we've seen players who have a heavy Carrom background like that friend dominate forever and people wonder why. But like even to modern day players, Danny Sanchez is the like Spanish national champion in, in caroms and he's probably one of the top four or five active three cushion players in the world. He works closely with Alcady and with Francisco Sanchez Ruiz on Carom sure. information. And there was a I think a highlight that was posted today from the Ohio Open, where um, Francisco played a uh, cross-table natural roll carom off the one, didn't have a pocket. Yep. He, t- he called the ten, and the cue ball found the line, curved right into where the ten is, and boom, makes a ten. And there you one. go, you know. But it's like yeah, you well, in off.
2: nine ball, with kicking for oh, saves, it's huge. It's huge. It's you huge. can it's actually huge. hit the right side of the ball if you had some three cushion yeah. background.
3: No, it's, it's bad. It's we, the United States players used to have a pretty strong, like in the 40s and 50s, really strong carom culture. Like Chicago was a big carom place. Oh, yeah. um, different pockets of the United States were really big. And we had a unfortunate player that I never got to watch play, but I've always heard incredible stories about was Harold Wurst. And he was a world three Cushion champion and an all around pocket billiards champion. And like, people talk about him like he was the greatest ever, you know, like, tortured, like apparently there was a session where he just tr- just tortured Lasseter for the money. And he would just travel around. And, but he died very young of, um, I think, like a brain-related cancer or some kind. Huh. But even like the month before he died, he traveled to like a bunch of events and snapped off all four of them in different disciplines. And he is just like, just an absolute monster. And there's, I think, I did see one clip of him like running a couple of balls in South America to win the World Three Cushion Championship, uh, like in the late 40s or something like that um but like you know we don't have a lot of players that are like that that are kind of crossover players that play both games at a high level um kang lee kang like, lee is from he just
2: did real well too in that last tournament he played in yeah well
3: i mean he got to the semi-finals i think of the uh, against US pedro baseball. yes pedro buena he he should have probably be pedro but he kind of Gave up a few extra innings that he didn't need to give up, and Pedro took advantage. And he's a. Champion. I watched
2: some yeah. of that match. That was yeah. pretty that exciting. Match. He really is good. Yeah,
1: Alex so, Alex line.
3: Well, I'm not even sure what Alex's carom uh, average is. I know Kang for that event average 1.3, which well, is, I guess
1: uh, I'm talking more like snooker. Oh right, right, right. As no, far as the carry, different different types. Yeah, of yeah. No, I mean Alex
3: is probably the best North American snooker player. Um. um but um yeah, Kang Kang average one.
2: one pocket game is so good.
3: Man. Ew. And then um and then, you know, now he's doing <clears throat> well at the Predator events, you know, so he's he's knocking heads and beating, you know, top player. <laughs> so it's kinda like, you know, he's a crossover player. I, I enjoy Caroms a lot. I used to play it more regularly. I don't have a table in in my area right now, but I, I'd like to get one. Um, but I think if players are gonna look at, you know, how to develop a broader skill set, um, incorporating three cushion and one cushion and bulk line and that kind of stuff it should be part of your practice if you're serious about kind of developing skills that are going to be valuable to beat top professionals gang's proving it on the predator he, he won the match against uh darren first round and then he beat uh sia from taiwan second round great player he qualified for final 16. he usually makes final final 16 in those events so you know yeah, there's uh, no
2: question the uh, the amount of knowledge about spin and speed mm-hmm. and cue ball control that you gain with three cushion. It, it's it, I had no idea uh, being a pocket pool player my whole life till five years ago uh, that there was just kind of this unlimited right. amount of uh, world out there with so like Efren.
3: Uh, Efren was like a national class uh, three cushion yes. player. He'd be like about like one, one, two average three cushion player. Still very very good. Yeah, the top three cushion players now are averaging for tournaments two and a half, three sometimes, sometimes four. Exactly. The averages are way high; it's crazy.
2: Yeah. So as they win, they're way up there
3: in the number. If if Efren was as dominant as he was in one pocket, if three cushion players ever decided to like not be bored and like want to learn one pocket,
2: well, how do you think Efren makes those Z banks?
3: Or just like these two rail umbrella shots, you know, where he kicks a ball to his side of the, you know, take down table from behind the stack. Everybody's like, oh my God. And it's like, but it's like a standard shot in three cushion that happens. Standard shot, right. It's like, a, it's like playing two rail position off of a ball, playing nine ball. We lose our minds when we see it in one pocket because the application is like, oh my God. But for him, it's just
2: a standard shot.
3: And then, you Yeah, know, I just,
2: there's this, this, there's little systems that they just, these guys, not mathematical systems. They're just like stick systems, you know, where you put your cue stick a certain way and figure stuff out. But there's a shot in one pocket where you go up to the short rail, then hit the long rail, come back down the table and hit the other side of your your ball, driving it toward your pocket and leaving the cue ball behind the stack. Yeah. Yeah, That shot, I never would have even thought of trying until I played three cushion. And now I can actually, on a nine-foot table, make that shot. And hit yeah. it accurately, two rails.
3: Yeah, yeah. And, and pool, imagine, like, you know, we have kick safeties all the time. We have kicks that come oh, up. Oh, yeah. Time. Guys struggle with that pattern where they're going direct and then glancing into a cushion. Then they have to find the ball out in space. Pool players are woefully bad at that shot. Like, like it's comically bad. If you just go through match histories. and like Yeah, top well, when you them, watched Francisco. Them, on, on, on the inside, over and over and over again, they don't know how to account for it.
2: How, how many three cushion kick shots did he save in this right. tournament? Well, because he, in I the mean, open, quite a few. Work,
3: he's working with Danny. I mean, the, probably the top five three cushion guys. Like, he's not afraid to work on an area of expertise that, you know, and he has very fortunate to have Danny in, in his corner. Danny's a champ. If you watch some of Danny's three cushion matches recently, like, yeah, he's he playing. is. Playing really amazing caram. So now imagine if you're Francisco, right? You have on the pool side David Alcady, and on the Caram side you have Danny Sanchez. Yeah, how about that? Pretty strong mentoring. <laughs> Pretty rate. strong. Yeah. Uh, no wonder he won, imagine the, it. he won the US Open.
2: He's probably in heaven with those two. Oh, that's awesome. That's a great, that's a great place to be
3: <laughs> for sure. You're in the all-time, you know, you're dealing with some of the all-time greats and what they do.
2: Yeah. The other thing I wanted to say, and I just noticed this the other night. Uh and we and when we started the podcast, we used to talk about, uh, talk to the average player out there and suggest things that they could do to help their game. Mm-hmm. And we kind of got away from that a little bit, but I just noticed something yesterday. Uh, a, a 14-year-old player who's just starting out to play, just learning how to play the game. And I'm, I'm watching him try to stroke. And most people, when they start out playing pool, they elevate the back of their stick for some reason. I don't know why they do that, but they do. They always have the back of that stick elevated and and I was going to say something to him. So I grabbed his arm while he's stroking and I'm going to take his arm and move it. And I, I noticed that. He was his muscles in his arm from his elbow down to his fingers were so tight and rigid and stiff that his wrist wouldn't even bend. Right. And I went I went, gee, Ben, how come you're so tense? you're so dense you can't you can't and and i said do this i went do this just hold your hand out and shake your wrist and he was going like like he couldn't (laughs) let his wrist hang and shake it wow and then i went do this you know right like that don't move your whole arm just move this part of your arm and he couldn't do that it was like this Wow. and i just want to throw this out there to all the 450s and 500s who who want to get better at pool you can't be tight and play pool (laughs) in your arm and your wrist you just can't so whatever you need to do to be able to do this and shake your wrist and stay loose get that first (laughs) first and foremost you have to relax the muscles in your arm ask any golfer how you cannot golf if the muscles in your arms and your legs are tense and taut. and Nate knows this. I golf with Nate for the first time. He hits the ball like 400 yards with a six iron uh, and he's loose Five. by his swing five. Okay. Sorry. Uh, but, but it is something that I, I don't even think about that. Right. As being a factor. But when I saw this young man, and I went, Well, he can't there's nothing he can do. I can't help him if his muscles in his arm are gonna be this tight and this tense. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm gonna throw that out there to all you five hundred players that wanna be better. And Tom Brady has
3: a, a work on it. A book talking about muscle plasticity called T V twelve method. Of, uh rehabilitation of and like stretching and like breaking up the muscle fibers so that they're they're loose and supple and not rigid and tight. So that might be something that um uh, your friend might Oh be. yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, great. Yeah. So where do you live, Raymond? I'm in I just moved to the Orlando
3: area. Uh so I'm in um Orlando, Florida at the
2: moment. So you had a little flooding? No, I, I didn't not think
3: not not in my area. There's a, a bunch of pockets of the town that got hit pretty bad, especially the ones near lakes. There's a lot of lakes in, in central Florida. Okay. So yeah, there was a few areas that, you know, I had an Uber driver who picked me up from the airport when I got back and he's like, uh, I was looking for his car because the app told me one car, but it was a he showed up in a different car. And he's like, Yeah, my car got destroyed by the by the flooding, so I'm still waiting on
2: the insurance. Minus. Okay. So yeah, some some people got hit. Did you run hard. into Hunter Lombardo down there at all?
3: No, he's from the West Palm, uh, South Florida area. So I, okay. I, I'm I, from Miami originally. So I'd seen him around there when I was younger. Uh, and then he moved up to New York. Um, yeah, he's okay. been in
1: New York for quite a few years now. For
3: quite a while now, yeah.
1: Yeah. He's got the great Dominic Dunn in his area.
3: Uh, oh, yeah, I do. Nice. Yeah. We all want to be like the best player in Florida. So, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, Raymond, I think uh, you've been in – Thanks for jumping in man. You've been awesome. Oh, I think, absolutely. Uh, thanks. You know, I think maybe we need to have you on a few a little bit more if you're interested. I think yeah, you've been yeah. awesome.
2: Next
3: time I'll be home I'll have my mic and light set up and everything and you know, it'll be like an actual production. So, thanks for coming. Yeah.
1: We'll get we'll be able to get to see that that beautiful big old beard of yours.
3: Yeah, I'll have backlighting and it'll be nice. You'll you'll get to <laughs> Light, nice, uh, feel, like nice oh, put yeah. some christmas tree lights in it <laughs> i'll do a beard cam and we'll do like a macro close-up on the beard cam <laughs> I'm, not perfect. I'm not even kidding I'm
1: perfect kidding. perfect it's a, it's almost it's it's almost halloween did you want to like uh do no. some like braids in it do like all scottish no
3: no
1: you don't want to be a viking
3: no i'll probably be at the international open during halloween
1: so i suppose i will be too Damn. i'll, I'll be uh cool. wait will i be I need to fly out probably next I need to book my flights actually for that uh, kind of
3: sucks
1: but yeah I, I look at them they're like 650 bucks I'm like Jesus I might just end up driving out for that Ooh, yikes well I don't I'm not I'm not a fan of paying 650 dollars for a two-hour flight I know that
2: no yeah
1: yeah we'll see all right well uh I probably we're at the almost a two-hour mark so we need to get oh, no, out of here I think long. so yeah, that's too long. Nobody wants to listen to us. Although we did have we did have Raymond, so that helps, you know. So, all right. Well, yeah, very good uh, insights.
0: Yeah.
1: Thanks everybody for joining in. And thanks everybody for watching again. And uh, I guess we'll be back next week. Thanks nice for joining to be us, back.
2: Raymond. I'm so happy. Yeah, good. Yeah.
1: Rob's finally off the golf course. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> all right. We'll talk. All to right. You soon. Well. Yep. See you later. See everybody else next week. Nice to meet you, Raymond.